We're officially we live, live with episode number 102 with the Toms, Zenner Ellsworth, and Kai. Yep, and we got yep, a lot yep. of topics to get into today. Uh, I think just uh, Hello, Kai. because oh, yeah. of what YouTube announced, I think we should test this out because this may be the last time we can press the dislike button. So, folks, just to test it out, why don't you press that dislike, dislike button, button, see how we can confuse <laughs> the algorithms today. Because apparently, yeah, did you hear the explanation the guy made? On behalf of YouTube, when they said why they're getting rid of the dislike button, have no, you heard that whole no, conversation? In terms of harassment. Yeah, no. So have you have, have you guys been following yes. that story at all, uh, or no? Yeah, so yeah. What, yeah. Do you, what do you what do you think about this whole dislike button being gone? Trying to I think it. it's good. To be honest with you, really, you no, think it's good? No, really? I do, and I'll tell you why. Because oh I've gosh, oh, come son. on, uh, yeah, why am I yeah. not allowed an no, opinion no, on the PBD podcast? Not here. Not today. This was America. Not today. No, I like it because those mobs out there exist. You know, they're going to gang up on some of these smaller content creators and hammer them right into oblivion. Oh, my god. What goodness. the hell is wrong with that? Oh. You, you I don't tell, like it. You can tell all. Tom started making YouTube content. Listen, let me ask you a question. <laughs> let me ask you a question. If you like the fact that they're getting rid of the dislike button, give it a thumbs up. If you hate the fact that they're getting rid of the dislike button, give it a thumbs down. I'm actually really curious to know what the audience is going to say. Uh, uh, yeah, look at that. I mean, people do not like this. Anyways, we got a lot of stories. Wow. We'll get into that. So I am in the minority here. You are in the very minority here. Yeah, I mean, minority. You're living in California. That's a big minority here. This is Texas, Florida, Florida, <laughs> California. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, was in California just a couple of days ago. What'd you think? Celebrating George Palaio's wedding in Daniela, which was fantastic. Had a great time. Great. But while I was there, we went to uh, uh, Crustaceans oh, restaurant. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we go to Crustaceans, and uh, we walk in, and uh, the hostess says... Uh, Says, uh, uh, sir, if you want to eat over here, we need your vaccination card. I said, you know, I don't like to carry my passport with me. So they said, well, you can't eat inside. You know, if you don't have your passport, you got to eat outside. So I said, okay, we'll eat outside. So we sit outside and we eat crustaceans outside. Food is good. You own, you know, order sure. their garlic noodles, whatever the they got. So 10 minutes later, I have to use the restroom. So I pulled the waiter. I said, listen, I got a question for you. He says, what's that? I said, since I don't have my vaccination card and I can't use the restroom outside, do I just pee on the sidewalk? What do I do? He says, no, 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 sir, please don't do that. You can <laughs> use the restroom. I said, so what do you mean I can't go inside? What are the criteria? The guy finally says, honestly, sir, we're just trying to figure this thing out. We have no right, clue what to do. Right. We just don't want to get fined. I said, listen, I respect. I'm just sure. giving you a hard time. Plus, they have plenty of people peeing on the sidewalk That's outside exactly there. exactly right. You yeah. would look yeah, like one of 600,000 people <laughs> that are currently... Every day. You can set up yeah. your tent afterwards. Now, it's funny the, the how it's... Republicans call them the homeless. The yeah. Democrats call them voters. But anyway, they're out they're on the sidewalk getting it done. He said, hey, Republicans call them homeless. Democrats call them voters. voters. Exactly right. <laughs> hey, what'd you think? What was your takeaway? Didn't you love uh, wearing a mask everywhere? Well, I, I, I got to tell you a few things. Number one, we stayed at the uh, 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 Four Seasons Beverly Hills right, right. across from Rodeo. And th they were pretty chill about the mask. Nobody was mm -hmm. like, put it on because I never put it on. So I'm just testing to see if someone's going to come and be right. the mask cop. No one bothered me. At all. Okay. No one bothered me. I ran into PJ Tucker. I said, PJ, let me tell you something here. He says, I just found out you got traded away from the Bucks. I said, I don't think the Bucks can win without you. I can't believe they traded you to Miami. He was cracking up. Anyways, but no one bothered you with the mask. Uh, we went out and, uh, you know, we went to different places. Nobody was bothering us with Good. the mask a lot. So it was pretty chill. And I didn't see as many homeless people as I did six months ago, eight months ago. They're cleaning it up a little yeah. bit. I think they're having Maybe because new... we were in Beverly Hills half the time. So you're not going to see a lot of homeless. Plus Maybe the Super Bowl's coming in a couple months. They got to start cleaning they it up gotta a little bit. They got to clean it yeah. up. Yeah. So Good. Glad you had fun. Yeah, we did. Okay. All right. So let's go through this here. We got some stories. Big short. Michael uh, Burry has some problems with Elon Musk selling the stock. We'll talk about that. Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto may have to unmask at a Florida trial. Apparently, this guy would be uh, one of the top 20 richest people in the world worth $74 billion. So a little over a million Bitcoins that he has himself. 
Uh, NBC's reveals the dirty little secret that people can actually afford inflation. We'll definitely talk about that. When your rent goes up 40% as pandemic fades, many tenants see big hikes. YouTube hiding the dislike button. Disney employees beginning to relocate from California to Florida because it is more business-friendly climate. Obama's economist Larry Summers slams Biden on inflation, saying it doesn't look so transitory. Economist Larry Summers says White House misread inflation. Nearly half of Democrats want a candidate other than Biden to run in 2024. Howard Stern just made a bold prediction about Donald Trump 2024 run. Folks, this one's funny. we got to cover that one. Biden and Kamala relationship is in crisis as her poll ratings crash just one year in. Andrew Cuomo considering running for Attorney General of New York. Beto says he'll change Greg Abbott and he'll challenge Greg Abbott in the race for Texas governor 2022. DEA. This is probably one of the most important stories that folks pay pay very close attention to this because you do not want to offend people. DEA stopped saying Mexico cartel to appease Mexico. Recently retired agency official says they want to live (laughs) across racial lines. Policy policing emerged as the deciding factor in elections, and Iran backed militants, stormed U.S. embassy in Yemen, seized hostages and equipment. So let's first talk about the YouTube hiding the dislike button. Okay, page number four if you want to go to it. Um, so YouTube is hiding dislike counts in an effort to protect content creators from harassment. Uh, NBC story. They're making some changes to its platform in an effort to protect creators by hiding dislike counts on videos. On Wednesday, the video sharing service began rolling out a new feature that uh, keeps the counts private and only viewable to the person who uploaded the video. The actual dislike button, however, will remain, and viewers can still dislike a video to tune their personal recommendations, but only the talent sees it. The update feature was sparked uh, by an experiment YouTube conducted earlier this year to see whether changes by uh, to the dislike button could help protect content creators and harassment dislike attacks where viewers purposely dislike a video to drive up the content. So now here's a funny thing that people need to know about the dislike button. Do you know, you know this, so I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to see what Tom and Tom are going to say. Do you know what is the most disliked video of all time on YouTube? Something with cats. Do you know what it is? I'm actually being serious. David, do you know? You may know it. Do you know what the most disliked video oh, of all yeah. time is on YouTube? Well, I know like, the most liked, the most liked. Oh yeah, I do. I do. It's, it's, it's a YouTube video. It's a YouTube it's rewind a, it's a video. YouTube yeah, yeah. So right. go back, Tyler. Ty- go on YouTube. Type in YouTube rewind 2018. <laughs> so, so the 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 person that was representing YouTube when they made this video. Oh my God, look at that, Tyler. You are making Kai look good. 2018. 2018, eight. Maybe it's the keyboard. Uh, there's four. So check that out. Four digits. Okay, we cannot year. play. Don't play, don't press on it. Go to YouTube.com. Go to YouTube.com instead of going that way. Yeah, just go to YouTube.com. Uh, click on it. You're good. Okay. So on YouTube, right there, right. Rewind 2018. Rewind 2018. Check this out. Rewind. Oh man, we cannot press it, right? So just click on it and play, press yeah, pause, pause immediately. Press pause immediately. Pause, pause, pause. Okay, good. So check this out. 3 million <laughs> likes, 19 million dislikes. And the video to introduce the dislike button got 14,000 likes and 147,000 dislikes. That's hilarious. People don't like this. A lot of people are saying it's political. Some are saying it's YouTube. Some are saying it's offending people. It's hurting people's feelings. I know you think this is a good idea. I do. I don't. I, here's the thing. I don't think it's a horrible idea. Okay? I, I'm not sure if it's a good idea. I don't think... It's a bad idea. Maybe you guys will convince me. And I'll By tell the you way, why. some people agree with you. They say yeah. Facebook only has a like button. It doesn't have a dislike button. So some people are saying it from that angle. Don't act like it won't sway some people when their initial impression is this video sucks. Right? So I, I don't understand the downside to it because if you're really interested as a content creator, how many people don't like your videos, you're still going to know. 
you're going to still have access to that data. Are you open to be convinced, like to be to change sure. your mind? No, I, I, you, I have the most open mind. Okay, so let me ask you, do you ever go everyone. to, do you, do, when you go to restaurants, do you want to know what review they get on, on Yelp? Because um, I can no. send you to some restaurants. Only the you, good ones. <laughs> only the good reviews. Okay, now that's a good question. Okay. Um, you now, and Sean, that's Friday night. Sean sure. says, babe, let's go to a new restaurant. What do you guys do? I'm not the guy that goes to Yelp. I pretty much know the people that own the restaurant. I mean, I'm just kidding. Some of us are not celebrities, <laughs> but I'm talking I'm about. No. Uh, Dude, yes, I, I will. As a blanket statement, I will trust some of the reviews okay. as, a, as an I opening as well. act. Right? Okay, so let me ask you this question. Now, this one you're going to change a little bit. Do you, do, you look, do you judge movies based on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Okay, I agree. Okay. So for me, I'm the same. I don't agree based on Rotten Tomatoes, okay. but I do follow Yelp, right? Videos, when it's dislike. For me, it does a couple different things. As a viewer, it gives me like I sit there and it's like I don't know if I want to watch this or not. You know, you got seven different videos you search and you look. It's like oh, this guy because sometimes what happens with videos, people put a title that doesn't. It's, it's a clickbait, and then you go spend four minutes and they never explain the video and it's bullshit. But mm -hmm. if I would have seen the right. dislike like ratio and it shows eighty eight likes and seven hundred dislikes, he's not going to answer the question because other people got upset about it as well. So I think the dislike button helps you save time. That's my opinion. If you assume that they're doing it for the right reasons, and I guess my reason for thinking yeah. that I'm against it, or I think it's a good idea not to have the dislike button, is because there are those groups that go out there and sabotage tallies. So... Two sides to it. I get both. I think I think there's one aspect that I can kind of support or understand why they're doing it. Uh, Caleb mentioned in the chat here, and I talked to him yesterday about it, but the last two years they haven't been, like, it hasn't changed the SEO on videos. So it's not an indicator of how many like dislikes you get. In the back of the day, it used to kill a video. Now it doesn't. So if it has a lot of dislikes, it's whatever. So at that point, the button doesn't really indicate anything or sh um, prove on the SEO. So for then, for that matter, it's just there to kind of show it. So that aspect of it is kind of useless at that point. I think there's two things here. Uh, and the first thing is, why is Google doing this? They want to prevent dislike attacks. Reviewers, you know, team up and you get this, this onslaught of people that just want to attack a video. Well, there's two things going on. First of all, TikTok's paying for creators and TikTok is moving. And so YouTube has got to protect its content first. And what it's really saying is that we don't know how to stop the dislike attacks. The way the dislike attacks are stopped on Yelp, Glassdoor, you know, Google reviews, is you have to log in. So they want to make sure that you're a real person, you've logged in, you've confirmed the account. So you can't just have a bunch of anonymous people on Yelp destroy a restaurant. It, it doesn't work. Or open table. So there's the mechanism that they have there. Got to have an account or you can't slam it. Whereas what Google is saying, gosh, if these dislike attacks happen, there's perfectly good content creators that are getting hurt here. And we're also at a point where YouTube is starting to increasingly try to figure out with shorts and things like that, how do I compete with TikTok? So I think there's a bigger thing that's, that's underneath here where Google is saying, how do I stop dislike attacks that are um, seemingly kind of you know anonymous so that I can have some integrity to the count because I do want to know if I go on Yelp and I can't see the negatives 300 positive for a restaurant does not mean there's not 301 negative I'm like well that's very neutral because that restaurant could have been in there for five years and so the numbers if you suppress it yeah it's very deceptive I there's a part of that that you uh, uh, make sense on what you're saying with the like dislike but uh, I, I just don't know the more I think about it you know I want to be able to see both sides I yep. want to see the like and the dislike for whatever, for many different reasons. 
you know, somebody made a very, very good point here. They, they, they speculated that the reason why they took the dislike button off is because of Adam. Because, you know, Adam doesn't like the dislike button. I will tell you, by the way, FY, people are saying if Adam is fired or not. Adam is at another convention. <laughs> this, is, this is not a cat convention. Is Adam the- is in Dallas again, by the way. Is he in Dallas? I don't know where he knows. Maybe he's know. not in Dallas. He's somewhere else. He's not at a cat convention. Uh, it's a different convention he's at. He doesn't want me to reveal it, what convention it is. It's very private. Maybe when he comes back, he'll tell us what the convention uh-huh. is. I mean, I know what it is, but I don't oh, know. Oh, we could guess. I don't know if he publicly wants people to know what okay. convention it is. So we're going to build that little bit up. It's the Men Against Dogs Foundation. <laughs> See, I didn't want to say that. You, you took it out, and he texted Man, me. David. I didn't want to say mad. it, but it is also what it is. is mad. <laughs> here's, here's what I will tell you. Here's what I will tell you. The one part that I fully understand. So last night, two nights ago, two nights ago, I'm talking to Ticon Dillon, okay? It's Sunday night. I go upstairs and talking to Tico and Dylan, and Dylan's got a voice. I really like it when Dylan sings, but Dylan doesn't want to hear me when he sings. He likes to sing by himself. And he was singing the other day this song, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and that whole song, right? He's singing it, and I'm listening to him. So I go to their room. I put Senna down, and I go to Tico and Dylan. I said, Tico, Dylan, why don't you, why don't you want to sing? I don't want to sing, Daddy. I said, why don't I get you the, uh, this singing coach and you work with him one-on-one? No. Why not? I have stage fright. I said, Dylan, what do you mean you have stage fright? He says, there's such a thing called stage fright. That I said, there's no such a thing as stage fright. He says, Dad, I'm telling you there's such a thing as stage fright. I said, who tells you there's such a thing as stage fright? He says, Daddy, there is stage fright. Then Tico chimes in. Tico's like... He's right. <laughs> there is such a Verified. thing. Verified. <laughs> According to statistics. There is that. Let me teach you. Stage fright is people who get on stage and they're afraid when people look at them. I said, Tico, whoever tells you there's stage fright, they're lying to you. Says, but daddy, I read it in a book. That book's lying, I'm telling you. Anyways, long story short, we're talking to these kids. And I'm sitting there going back and forth with them. I said, Dylan. Let me ask you a question. I said, what's your favorite song? So he says, Hallelujah by, Pen- what is Pentaton to Penta? How do you pro- Pentatonix? How do you- or- Pentatonix? Pentatonic. Am I Pentatonic. saying it correctly or no? Pentatonix. Something like that. Is that the right way to say the band's name? Pentatonix. I said, okay, let's listen to it. I pull up the video. I said, how many views do you think this thing's got? 640 million views. Hallelujah. Pretty crazy, Song? by the way, number like that. I said, how many likes do you think it's got? He says, uh, I don't know. I said, six million likes. He says, six million likes? I said, how many people do you think gave it a thumbs up? Okay. So thumbs this down. Is- thumbs thumbs down. down. This is the part where YouTube makes sense. He says 74 people. So he thinks only. <laughs> this is the innocence of a kid because yeah. he thinks, how are you not going to like a great song like this? And I pull up the number. The number is 174,000 people put a thumbs up. I tell Tico and Dylan 174,000. This is their reaction. Why would so many people not like it? I don't understand. I said, Tico, Dylan, here's what you got to understand. No matter what you do, you're not going to please everybody. There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to like you. So here's a challenge with this. This is the problem I have with this. I've had multiple people that had their shows on YouTube when they came on Value Team. And you know what's the first thing I tell them? Don't read the comments. Mm -hmm. And if you read the comments, don't take them personal. You're a new talent. They're not used to you yet. Be patient. But I know how hard is it for new talent to see the commentary that's negative. And you build that up. So for new talent, you know, Dylan just taught you, you know, the whole thing with stage fright and the fear. So I can see how that can kind of backfire. But it is what it is. I'd like to see the, the thumbs down uh, stay here. But uh, you know, here's one thing. I don't think it's accurate data, right? I think it could be skewed so much. So I don't think there's that many benefits from the thumbs up or thumbs down question. Are they going to keep it as it is right now? Will that be locked where you'll see where it is stuck in time? X, or are they going to eliminate it the altogether? The creator's going to see it, but okay. the person viewing it is not going to see it. Yeah. 
the creator. Okay. We will see it. But I want I want to see but it as the. But that, at that point, they should also delete the remove the likes, so you can't publicly see how many likes there are. Because the big, th big thing is also seeing how long has the video been out, what is the ratio, and then seeing, okay, it seems to be good, it seems to be not so good. So if they're, if you're removing one, why not just remove the other and then let the creator see on the back end? Can, can I tell you, well, we did this story on VT Post last week, and I, I was thinking about this a little bit. And, and I have a new philosophy in general. I'm going to bitch less about big tech companies unless it really is affecting my life. Like a thumbs up or a thumbs down like this doesn't affect my life. The benefits that the tech companies bring to me. Mm -hmm. are so strong that I'm going to hold off unless they're listening to everything I say and somebody comes knocking on my Got door, it. right? So in other words, what you're saying is you're planning on running for office in California. You'd like their support in the next six I'm starting to sound like that, aren't I? I like it. Like Great strategy. one to $3 million donation no, the, re the reality of it is we need rejections. We need to get our skin to be thicker, and this is making people softer. And I don't support it for that specific reason. Anyways, it is what it is. We'll continue. And let's go to the next story. Next story is uh, 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 Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto could be unmasked at Florida trial. So a lot of people are talking about this, specifically the cryptocurrency community. Um, so uh, 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 the family of a deceased man is suing his former business partner over control of their partnership's assets. In this case, the asset in question uh, our uh, cachet of about 1 million Bitcoins, equivalent to about 64 to $70 billion today, belonging to Bitcoin's creator and pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. The family of the dead man says he and his business partner together were Nakamoto, and thus the family is entitled to half the fortune. This is what a Florida jury will try to tackle. The family of David Kleiman is suing his former business partner, 52-year-old, 51-year-old Australian programmer living in London named Craig Wright. Wright has been arguing since 2016 that he created Bitcoin, claimed dismissed by most in Bitcoin community. Kleiman's family argues that the two worked on and mined Bitcoin together, entitled Kleiman's family to a half a million Bitcoins. By the way, very interesting angle to get Satoshi to yeah, come sure. out. Right? I actually like the angle to force the guy to come yeah. out. You know, this story is really fascinating. And, you know, there's so much money involved. I'm surprised somebody hasn't been killed yet, right? Because this goes back to 2008. Interesting. Somebody is holding on to that private key, right? Someone has it. You think maybe, maybe they're not coming out for that reason? You think that's why the person doesn't want others to know? I, I think this thing could be a movie. It could be a deadline episode or a dateline episode or something. Now, I do know the one person on the planet that could find the true identity Here we go. of Sakamoto. Nakamoto, Sakamoto. Yeah, that's a, Bernie, that's a drink, but it's okay. Bernie but. Sanders, because he'll want that tax money, right? So he can go find that person, Ooh. go get the tax money out. He can shame him on Twitter. Detective um, AOC on the case, right? I, I believe that he could actually find it. But this really is a fascinating story. Who leaves that much money out there unless they're very, very patient, right? And and this whole thing with a Florida, only in Florida, right? Could you find this? It's one of those only in Florida. Um, it seems like a stretch. But the deep, this this is a fast. If they had court TV, I'd be watching this trial on TV right now. I really would. So I think nothing's gonna happen. I don't think. I mean, you interviewed Craig Wright. Do you think he's Satoshi Nakamoto? I don't know. I I, I lean towards no, but I don't know. But uh, I, I I there's a lot of people in the community. There's some that say Craig Wright. There's a lot that say Adam Back. There's a lot. You know, there's different names that come up on who could be Satoshi Nakamoto. I know who Robert in the office thinks it is. Who's CIA. That? He thinks it's the CIA. He thinks it's the government that's behind it. The government designed this, is yes. what he's thinking. Brilliant. Uh, and the other thing I think as well with this is Robert, a, a big awesome. thing. A big thing. Yeah, we went to the moon in 1920, gentlemen. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Robert. And but, that's, uh, a, that's a bright guy to say something like no, that. Yeah, it's not like Robert's uh, not he, a bright guy. No, no, no. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. 
Uh, the only the big thing here for me is that the, neither one of them have found have the keys to the to the to the wallet. Mm-hmm. So without that, you're screwed. The, the private key. Yes, mm-hmm. and without that, you can't even get a hold exactly. of it. Exactly. So so why would if you're if 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 Craig Wright is him, and he claims to be him, why yeah. wouldn't he just reveal it? It's like one thing you have to do to prove it. Well, BBC did a story with him. I think it was BBC did a story with him, getting him ready to reveal the key, and he was supposed and he couldn't do it. I don't yeah. know if you've seen the video. I, I haven't seen that video. I, it's, if you've not seen it, it's very interesting. Like it's the I'm gonna show the world that I'm the yeah. guy, and it's like, oh, it's not working. I no. forgot. I you know, so it's kind of a little bit awkward <laughs> exactly, on what. Exactly. If you listen to this, folks, who do you think, especially those of you guys that follow crypto, who do you think Satoshi Nakamoto is? Go ahead, Tom. You know, I think things hide in plain sight. And no one has come out to counter these guys. And so as odd as it sounds and the missing key, sometimes the simplest explanations, like when big complicated crimes, you have all the talking heads talking about crimes for weeks and weeks and weeks, like the missing girl and then the guy found in the swamp. Right. It ends up being very simple. It's always that guy, you know, no, but fiance, it, the but boyfriend. It, it, it's a simpler story than we all weave it into being when we're overthinking it. I... I tend to lean that it's these guys. These guys run a partnership and they create it because it's usually the simple answer. At so the you end do of think crunch. this is the. Oh, oh. I'm leaning this way. I'm leaning this way saying, you know what? This is very plausible that these two guys created it. These two guys created the, the, the you know, the, the, the secret pirate in the back, you know, flying the flag against fiat currency. And, you know. Okay, question his. for you. What's, <clears throat> what's their rationale for not cashing in on any of it? Tom, he's asking you. Yeah. It's a question. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. For you, I, I got it. It's, I, you know, I can't. That's that's the part in this case I can't get my head yeah. around. It's like why, why wouldn't one of them take the money and run? I mean, in this case though, if they were partners and Craig Wright proved to have it, then he'd have to pay. Look, there, there there's very interesting things with law. You sent me a story yesterday about Vanessa Bryant, but what happened? Where she was? Uh, you, maybe you tell the story. Of what happened there? Well, she's suing L.A. County Sheriff's Department yep. because they took photos of the of the crash scene when Kobe died. Yep. They looked at him. They circulated him. She's suing them, saying that it has caused her some serious traumatic damage. Right. So now the county wants access to her records of any psychological exams or therapy sessions so they can see if it actually did cause that or if she's just saying that. So that's what I'm saying. So so that's the part about law that if you file a lawsuit, the person can come and ask specific questions to validate your point that it mm-hmm. affected you. Right. And in this case, when this guy's coming out saying Satoshi is my 50-50% partner, if he doesn't come out, I mean, law law could almost force this guy to come out. Mm-hmm. So he's either going to be sitting there saying, look, uh, you know, I don't want to come out and give up half of $74 billion, or he's going to come out and say, it's me. And then wh- how is this going to change? Adam Back said in an interview about uh, why it's not a good idea for Satoshi to come out and why it's better for the world not to know. Yeah. The way he explained it was, it's better to not see the one person as an expert because every time something happens with that currency, they're going to go to. So, what do you think since you started this? What do you think since you started? He says, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we need to leave it alone as just a currency without a founder to that currency. That's their view on Bitcoin. I think a big thing on that too is that it's better to not have somebody who's behind it because then it's truly decentralized. Like if it's if it's a certain person, then that's you don't his know, argument. You don't know how much he owns and if that could then totally tank the market or not. So I think a big thing there is just a matter of having it decentralized to where 
we don't know, and, and that's part of the mystery of, of which is yeah. a good thing because that gives it a little bit of trust. It's more like uh, almost spiritual or religious where it's like, I believe in it. I don't know who, what, why, but that's kind of what we're, we're thinking. I, I was interviewed by Natalie Brunel yesterday, who's a, a, a Bitcoin expert and a finance expert, kind of like a Pompliano type of yep. person. Not crypto. She made it very specific. She's Bitcoin, uh, and she's a, 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 what do you call it, a, a finance expert. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a story that went live on Twitter uh, that went viral on Twitter, like a million views or two million views on Fox Business. She was talking about how the economy right now is favoring Bitcoin. You saw what Shamat said just a couple of days ago, the fact that people were laughing at me when Bitcoin was $200. And I told them this thing's going to go to the roof and you guys didn't buy into it. And now it's 60 some thousand dollars. He said, it's going to go to 100000 It's going to go to one fifty. It's going to go to $200,000. Just a matter of time before that happens. It's going to happen in a year, two years, three years. I don't know. Yep. But the argument of where they are is making more and more and more sense. On the Ethereum side, what's starting to make more sense is the fact that all NFTs are being purchased through Ethereum, Ethereum, which means those who were not for Ethereum, if NFT takes off, that means Ethereum takes off. So the biggest question right now for an investor, if I were to ask a question, and I, you know, both sides of the argument, they give me a different argument. Here's, here's the argument. What's Ethereum today? What is it worth today? Do, do you know what the numbers are now on Ethereum? I was just no. popping that up. I lifted my phone yeah, up. Yeah, what, what is Ethereum right now? I go know. Go over to Coinbase and see the, uh, the stock. Uh, uh, it's at $4,318. Okay, so Ethereum is at 4318 okay? And Bitcoin is at 60732 right? Here's the question you got to ask yourself. What is more likely of happening? Is it more likely for Ethereum to go from 4,300 to 12,000? Or is it more likely for Bitcoin to go from 60,000 to 200,000? What's more likely? Can I, I say they're equally likely. Exactly right. Okay, you're saying equally. Yeah. So that's what the Bitcoin folks will say, that it's equally likely. Right. Likely. But the NFT folks will tell you, Ethereum's going to catch mm-hmm. up to Bitcoin. That's yeah. the debate right yeah. now between the two. Yeah, this is the law of small stocks, right? You come into a stock at five, you think you're good at 15, now you just tripled your money. Whereas you go into, you know, Amazon or Apple at 250, it's got to get to 600. So it's, you know, it's the law of small yeah. stocks here. It's a really good point there because you've got, you know, Rarible and OpenSea really controlling like 80% of the NFT market or something like that. I mean, they are the giants in the room and it's all Ethereum. And you know, with um, and the, what's the leading mask, the uh, the leading wallet mask. Okay, so check this out. We got 324 likes right now, and we got 95 dislikes, folks. If you're more leaning towards Bitcoin, tripling before Ethereum, put thumbs up. If you're more for Ethereum tripling before Bitcoin, put thumbs down. I'm curious yeah. because I, the, it is becoming like a religion. It's so interesting sure. watching the Bitcoin and the Ethereum community. Can I say something about yeah. this story? I think it is utterly fascinating that we don't know the creator of Bitcoin. Because if you are involved in that world where you are creating a currency, you're in the finance world. You're interested in making money. All right? You're driven by that. And this is just sitting here. No one knows. Either the person's dead, right? Or... What could possibly be the motivation for us not knowing who this is? And what happens when this is $740 billion or $200 billion or something like that? It's $74 billion right now. If we were talking about this story at the beginning of the year, it would have been way less than that. But that's a lot of money sitting on the table. That's not going to be the first lawsuit. And I just think this is a fascinating mystery. So One you think it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time before it comes out. I think maybe... The, maybe not so much the identity of a single person, but maybe more of how this was created, and, and then we'll learn that it isn't one person, possibly. 
By the way, it's it's more people voting for Bitcoin tripling than Ethereum. Yeah. Two to one is what the numbers are looking like right now. So there's a lot of Bitcoin people than uh, Ethereum people, maybe at least at the, on this podcast. Uh, uh, Real Diaz, thank you for the 20 bucks. Somebody uh, that just gave $50 uh, said the following, which is quite interesting. He I'm said, I'm convinced the government created Bitcoin. Yep. Perfect tool for moving off the books cash. Also guaranteed to have built in. She totally disagree with that. Totally disagree. Tell me why. Because it's too hard for a government employee to keep a secret. I could see a, a no. It's a not. Mis- a, it's not a government employee though. This is like a a a. a yeah, but a government employee off- would know of the secret. No, would know I don't, of I don't it think somehow. So. If you go, if you go from the defense budget, where I mean, they can't even keep track of their money. They don't know what goes where and who has what and who has access to what and who knows about what. So, if anything in the government, it's some, some sort of military budget that's been off the books, blacklisted, that where it's been. Spent. Then, then there's a. I mean, look, if they're looking to change the military, some former military member that was involved with this would talk. I think when you create something that potentially becomes this big, enough people know about it where someone is going to say something if it's a government entity. Okay, let's go to the next story. When your rent goes up 40%, it's on page three if you want to go there. So this is a CNBC story. When your rent goes up 40% as pandemic fades, many tenants see big hikes. As the period of discounted rents in cities comes to an end, many tenants are bracing for steep increases that could force them to leave their homes as cities begin to begin uh, to resemble their pre-COVID selves again. And the period of discounted rents evaporates. Many tenants are facing a similarly unpleasant re- uh, reversal. Renters who originally received pandemic pricing are now experiencing steep in- rent increases at renewal, uh, sometimes upwards of 40%. So, for example, if you're paying $4,000 a month, it's going to go to 56. That's a real number, by the way. If you're paying two grand, yeah. it's going to go to 2800 That $800 a car payment a and a cell phone bill and maybe insurance. Yep. Uh, so, said Alia Mohammed, CEO of uh, Open uh, Igloo, which uh, allows renters in New York uh, City to review landlords. I'm amazed this is legal. While it's true that most tenants in the U.S. aren't protected by rent control policies, some are. Meanwhile, others are helped by requirements they may be given. Certain amount of notice of rent control. Okay. All right, so 40%. Tom, what do you think is going to happen here? I, I th- rents are going up, baby, because I'll give you two reasons for is it. Is it inevitable? I think it's inevitable like because there's a bunch- percent inevitable? I don't th- now forty percent. I think is a good headline. It's a big spike, but yeah. it's going up. Okay. If you you listen to the average Joe, it's up fifteen percent. It's up twenty percent. You're seeing multiple markets, people talking about it. And there's there's a couple issues going on here. Number one, we are so fortunate that most of the U.S. Uh, counties, because counties control the property taxes, not the states, individual counties, you do not raise the taxes on a mark to market basis each year, they incrementally raise them. It's like a small raise on it. But when you commit a transaction, then that's a new super step in the property tax. And what you've got here is people are buying rental homes highly leveraged, highly leveraged. And so as soon as we get interest rates rising on those underlying mortgages under the rental house, that's pushing it up. And inflation in general is pushing it up. And I think the average consumer that's renting is is going to get jammed by this. This is just the tip of the iceberg. 40% big headline story. But this is happening. Okay. Kai, what do you think? Uh, I mean, this is the craziest number for me is the from 57 in the second quarter to 74 in third. I mean, that's a... What do you mean, what do you mean by that? 57 to 74? Uh, attracting qualified people. Um, he said the uh, percentage of firms difficult attracting qualified... Uh, well, I'm on the wrong story. What am I doing here? Okay, um, Zenner, no, what no, do you but, think but the biggest thing, biggest thing for me is in terms of that. Um, I, I spoke to Sam, and for us, the place we stayed would would go up 400 bucks for next year. 
where you're at right now. Yeah, and, per and month. Delray. Per no, month. No, total for the whole total, year. Yeah. Okay. So it, the whole rent would go up four hundred uh, and zero vir- four hundred per month. No, four hundred total, I believe. Per year. Yes. What are you talking no, about? It's nothing. No, no, no. Per month. Per month. Yeah, yeah on a okay. monthly basis. So yeah, that's yeah. five grand basis. a year. Yeah. That adds up. You know, when, when the whole rent forgiveness thing was happening, yeah. couldn't you see this thing as, where was this going to end? That lasted for over a year. And you know there was a lot of landlords that took it in the shorts in a, in a, in a huge way. But they were talking about mass uh, evictions. Mm-hmm. And, and how, I mean, if you have any common sense, you would think that would have to happen. So what are the numbers? Apparently evictions are up 12% in September, and they're up 25% in October over August. So they're happening. But one of the reasons they're not super terrible is they had all that federal money available, right? That they had a lot of rental assistance money. And I guess some of that is getting used now. I think I saw where 10 billion is now being used by about 2 million renters that have access to it. But to use that money, you need the landlord to participate in that program with you. And I can imagine so many landlords are ticked off that these renters did not pay for a year or a year longer Longer many, than a year. And many could. And, and, and definitely could, and they want them out regardless, right? So they're not going to participate and try to get these federal funds. They're going to get somebody, get them out of there, bring somebody in there. They can ri- raise the rent a little bit. So I think this is just the beginning of this because there are real-life consequences to not paying your rent for a year, right? And, and rolling the dice and taking that gamble. But here, here's the thing. So this leads me to the story of labor shortage, okay? This is a CNN story. If the labor shortage continues, the U.S. economy won't be able to recover. After enhanced unemployment benefits expired and schools reopen in person, many expected workers to go back to work in nation's labor shortage to ease significantly by September. But recent data suggests, if anything, the shortage is getting more severe. A majority of smaller firms, 51%, say that they have job openings they are unable to fill. The CEO Confidence Survey revealed that the percentage of firms Citing difficulty attracting qualified people jumped from 57% in Q2 of 2021 to 74%. For the first time in decades, a scenario of wage price spiral where higher price and rising wages feed each other. By the way, you know what the numbers of how many people are fewer employed today than it was two years ago? You know the number? Millions. What is the numbers? I mean, working workforce? Yes. I- I'm going to say 12 million. 7 million fewer today. Okay. That are not even going back, by the way. Hmm. 7 million. No interest. And, and the 7 million people that we're talking about, they're not buying cars. They're going to their jobs. One small thing happens. They just say, I don't want to work. I go home. And they're not feeling like there's any major urgency to want to work. There is zero urgency right now to go, go back to yeah. work. 7 million. That's not a few. That's a lot of, people, a lot of people right there. We just, we just bought a building, right? This one building that we bought, and we're sitting down with the designer. And the designer comes in, and the architect. I said, so mm-hmm. how long is it going to take to get the permits? He says, that's not a problem. You're going to get four to six weeks. I said, okay, great. How long is it going to take for us to get uh, you know, the demo and all this stuff on the inside? He says, we'll get a GC. We'll get that done within four to six months. Okay, fine. It sounds good. Weeks. Six, six, four to six, uh, no, no, four to six months, the GC. That is four to, not weeks, four to six months. Also, oh, demo and build what you designed. Yes, four to six months. Got it. I said, so what's the biggest challenge? He says, you ready? I said, yes. He says, do you want glass doors and glass windows in your office? I said, of course. He says, six to 12 months. I said, get out of here. He says, yeah. He says, are you buying new furniture or are you bringing furniture? I said, no, it's going to be a new, new furniture because it's a new look with the designer. He says, six to 12 months. I said, are you kidding me? He says, labor shortage and supply is adding up. We can't get people to work. Mm-hmm. And we can't get supplies today. People are being affected by this. You saw the other car company. What is the car company, Tyler? I don't know if we have that as one of the stories GM. or not. GM. GM is talking about the fact that the it, 
The chips are what? But I, I know was oh, uh, General Motors reveals seats. heated seat option due to chip shortage. They're removing it. What do you mean you're removing it? So the labor shortage, yeah. the chips, this is being affected in many different industries. Yeah, right you know what? I, I read a really interesting study preparing for this story, and it came out from the American Institute of Economic Research. I don't know if they have any political leanings whatsoever, but th- they said that this labor shortage is not a surprise to the government. In fact, they call it mandated and subsidized. Mandated, mandated because of the COVID shutdowns, right? You shut down the yep. economy, this is what's going to happen, and they knew it. Subsidized means all the free money that they're giving out. So what they're basically saying is the people that are making these decisions are, are anti-capitalists. And it's a fact, and you can look at the data because the markets correct themselves. They have a way of correcting themselves yep. when it comes to the labor pool, right? Enough people will go out there. But it's not like these people have permanently pulled themselves out of the workforce. They don't want to go back because they yeah. don't have to go back. The job is there. It's you, there. You can go they get, can go get five more than enough. And you yeah, know what they've learned? Enough. Here's what they've learned in the last year. They don't want to go back to that same job at the same pay because they know they can get more or they can make more yeah. doing nothing. So the government knows exactly. This is economics 101 for governments and politicians, and they know about this, and this is happening well, because the, they want it to. Simple question for you. The 7 million people that are not voting today, okay? Let's just play a simple game. Do you think these 7 million people, what percentage of them do you think are going to vote for more you know, <laughs> benefits, more money to be sent out free money? Uh, they're going to vote left? Or what percentage of 7 million is going to vote right? They're going to vote 90% for where they can keep the gravy train coming What do you in. think? Out of the I, 7 million, what I'm do you think the numbers? I'm going to quote our friend Sammy, 1,000%. They're going to vote for to stay home and not do much. So so the 7 million who are not wanting to go back, they're going to vote for more more uh, of the same good stimulus good checks stuff. to be yeah. sent out to them. Okay. Then then if that's the case, if we're talking purely strategically, it's working. great strategy for the people on the left. It's very strategic because you got 7 million sure, more votes. you got votes. And you it's can a just solid number, money. by the way, if you think about it. I feel a little differently. I think you get to dive into these numbers a little bit because I, I read that there was two and a half million older people that were in, you know, moderately, moderately priced jobs is you don't earn a lot that kind of retired a little early that basically said, you know, I'm not going to go back to that. I got a little for the government. Now I'm about to get Social Security. Those people are very, very they're going to vote for the gravy train. But if the gravy train is temporal, right, unless it's going to be a permanent shift to socialism, we're just going to keep printing money and keep handing it to people, which can't happen. Right. Our, our structure in the U.S., the U.S. economic structure will not sustain that. Then ultimately, you know, they want, you know, low crime. They want lower taxes. They want lower inflation. And so they're going to swing that other way. I don't think the seven million are completely uniquely, you know, what someone would say, you know, liberally minded just to keep voting for their check. A lot of them are. But I was reading about a sliver of these older people that were sort of retiring early. And are not giving up what has been, you know, a conservative value structure. They're just kind of fed up with the, you know, the COVID mandates and everything that went with the job. And they're like, you know what? I'm retiring early. Yeah, I have so much sympathy and respect for small business owners, what they've had to endure in the last year. And now when they can finally try to get back and they can't find workers, I can't imagine anything more frustrating than that, than having these open positions and not being able to fill them and then knowing that you can't run your business like you normally would. They're the ones, they're really the only ones that are affected. Right. These small business owners. It was Dunkin Donuts with the sign on there. It says, please be patient with the length of the line. If you really want to complain about it, ask for an application. Yeah, I saw that. That's that's everywhere, by the way. You want to pull up the email I just sent you from uh, World Economic Forum. Did you guys see the story by World Economic Forum that's being shared everywhere? So here's a story, Tom, of what direction we're going in. Okay, 
Kai, you may want to close that while you're doing that, Tyler. I send it to your value team an email. Just kind of close that and do it yourself. Um, so, I, you know, there's, a, there's an article by uh, World Economic Forum that says the following. By the way, somebody reminded me of it. Who was it? Uh, Sergeant Wilkie. That, can you help him out to pull this article up? It's, we don't have to go that. It's not that technical. We just have to put, welcome to 2030. If you just type in welcome to 2030, I think the article would come up. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Okay, this is welcome to 2030. There you go. Uh, go to the I first one right there. Yet. Right that right there. Okay. Uh, actually, go back. Go back. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, listen, we're going in a direction right now where the article, where the story is about you don't need to own everything. So yesterday I posted something on, fa- on Facebook uh, about what's going on with gas prices, and one guy – uh, I gave the story about what makes America great, okay? You know, how do you judge the greatest country in the world? If you think about how do you judge the greatest country in the world? Tom, how do you judge the greatest country in the world? David, I'm going to come to you next. Uh, uh, Tyler, if you haven't seen the video, I'm going to ask you as well. I think you've probably seen the video on how I present it. If not, I'm going to ask you as well. Uh, yeah. Folks, if you're listening to this, I'm asking you as well. Name, give me your formula for how you judge the greatest country in the world. So, for example... How do you judge the greatest parent in the world, okay, by their offsprings and their offsprings? How, you, how their grandkids do, you're going to say, that guy was a good parent, right? How do you judge a great coach? We were sitting there yesterday saying, who's the greatest coach of all time? You know, Belichick's got to be at the top, and we had Landry. We had all these different guys, right? Based on what? Championships, Bill Walsh, Wins. I think we had a second, all this other stuff. How do you judge the greatest country in the world? I'll throw this out there really quickly. It's um, the ability to do whatever you want with as little government interference as possible. I'll say that. Okay, David, how about yourself? How do you judge the greatest country in the world? Give, um, give me your formula. And I want data. I don't want to be like the grass is green, the flowers smell better. You know, I want specific data. What makes the country the greatest country in the world? How do you judge it? There's uh, transparency in the government. There's honesty. There's security. How do you measure that? You, everybody says we're the most transparent administration, and none of them are. With uh, facts that you can back up accurately, and it reads across the board through all political parties. So, so for you, if, if our country is in shit, yeah, I mean, we're struggling financially. We're getting attacked by everybody. But I tell you, all our problems, you define that as the greatest country in the world. Well, I mean, hold on. <laughs> okay. right. so, well, so, at least we're being honest but, here. But, but by the way, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Tyler, how do you judge the greatest country in the world? Well, I saw the video on Twitter. So, I don't so you can't do say that. Right. Kai, if you haven't seen the video, how do you judge the greatest country in the world? I'd say. Based on I, what data? And I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'd say for me, it'd be in terms of um, having a certain set of people who, if they're willing to put in the work, they can achieve the level of financial okay. success they sure. want. And across the board and, like, how it's replicatable and people can do it so, time and time over again. Okay. Life, liberty, and pursuit yes. of happiness is what you're so saying. So, in other words, not Norway? Okay. I mean, Norway's a good life. <laughs> Norway's a good life. Tom, how do you judge the greatest country in the world? I did not see the video, so this is straight. I, the same way you judge parents. I look at the generations of people and okay. what has happened to their standard of living. I yep. can measure that. I can look at crime statistics. I can look at border security and invasions and say, wow, that's the greatest country in the world. They are a safe people. Per- Security for they you. They have security. Okay. And I look at each generation has opportunity to extend itself. And I look at that, and over time, 
the American experiment is number one. So I see a lot of people commenting. Mitko says freedom and privacy. Uh, Greg Dinkin says health, education, freedom, and happiness. I don't know who Greg Dinkin is, but thank you for that. Great Jesus comment. Rodriguez, live in another country, and you will find out. Great point there. <laughs> Anyways, here's how I judge the greatest country in the world. David, it's very simple for me. And, and the analogy I will use for you is in the following way. Say it's Friday night. It's 10 o'clock, okay? There is five clubs on the strip. You're 22 years old with your five buddies and girlfriends. You want to go have a good time. You go to the first club. How do you judge which club is popping? How? The line at the front. Yeah, the line, the line, line outside, baby. There you go. <laughs> Here's a question for you. How do you judge a restaurant? It's lunchtime. The seven of us want to go eat somewhere, right? We go to the restaurant. It's 12.15, and you walk in, and what do you see? It's packed. You see Wait packed. List, yeah. What do you say? Damn. This place is popping, right? When you go to a restaurant and the most annoying thing they say is what? Can you remove that, please? What's the most annoying thing they say to you? You have to wait. I'm sorry. There's a one-hour wait. In your mind, what do you say? A one-hour wait? But then what do you tell yourself? Damn, a one-hour wait. People are waiting outside. <laughs> this got to be good. I want to come here, here. I'm going to be here an hour Eric, early tomorrow. Exactly. So to <laughs> all the people who bitch about America... There is not a longer line to a restaurant, a.k.a. country, than America where immigrants want to come here. I don't need any other data. There's no line for people wanting to go to Germany. There's no line for people wanting to go to Mexico. There's no line for people wanting to go to China. There's no line for people wanting to go to any other country at the level of U.S. And if you pull up the United Nations number for immigration, countries with the highest level of immigration, it's a United Nations number from last year. You will see number one country in the world. If a football game score is 48 to 10, what do you call that score? A Blow, shellacking. A blowout. Okay, t- take a look at the score right there. 48.2 million immigrants in U.S. Russia's 11.6, Saudi 10.8, Germany 10.2, United, UK 8.4, UAE 8, France 7.9, Canada 7.6, U.S. 48 million. Why? If this country is so horrible... Why do 48 million? Nobody told them you better come to America. This is the greatest country in the world, and people hate that. I spoke at the school last week, and I got up on stage, and I said, 600 kids, second grade to senior year. I said, I want to tell you guys something here before we get into anything else, because it was Veterans Day. They had me speaking for Veterans Day. I said, America is the greatest country in the world. Don't ever be too worried about saying anything else. So, Look, you know, we can we can talk about whatever we want to talk about with this labor shortage. Oh, my gosh, it's unfair. It's not fair that they're doing this. It's not fair that they're doing that. Yeah, go find a different country and go to it. But the reality of it is 48 million people chose this over anywhere else. FYI, if you say it's based on population, China and India is number one. If you say it's based on land, Russia is number one. If you say whatever you want to say based off of, people chose here. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we are living in the greatest country in the world and uh, instead of complaining about it and changing everything about it that works, that attracts others, how about we try to protect it the way it is? Because it's not going to get too easy. By the way, I was reading this book that was sent to me by Amor. It's called The uh, Fourth Turning by William Strauss and Neil Howe. Uh, what the cycles of history tell us about America's next rendezvous with destiny. And he explains about the fact that there's four uh, turning. Uh, First one is high, an upbeat era of strengthening institutions and weakening individualism. Second turning is an awakening, the passionate era of spiritual upheaval where the civic order comes under attack from a new values regime. The third turning is an unraveling, downcast era of strengthening individualism and weakening institutions. And the fourth turning is a crisis, 
a decisive era of secular upheaval when the values regime propels the replacement of the old civic order with a new one. He explains something in this book. He says, we are at a point right now that we get to choose how we react today on what's going to happen the next decade or two. If we bitch about what happened today, like remember back in the days when folks came back from Vietnam and people were spitting in soldiers' faces at the airports and all these other stories that you read about and you hear about? Hey, you shouldn't have gone to war. You know, you're this, you're that. And America was divided. We can choose to be divided or we can sit there and say, listen, we may disagree, but we got one thing in common. Do we both love America? Which America do you love? Do we love the America that has to do with freedom? Well, why don't we protect it? What do you say? Great, let's set aside our egos and our agendas. Let's agree on one thing. America's great. Let's keep it that way. That'd be a good starting point. And that's a mic drop as far as the lineup to get in. And that's before they started paying immigrants, too. <laughs> a couple hundred grand to enter the country. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's a, the idea of, of gratitude, man. Gratitude is such a tough thing. Uh, to embrace. It took me a long time to embrace gratitude. You know this whole thing that they say uh, uh, parenting, you go through three phases. You know, first you idolize your father, then you demonize your father, then you humanize your father. So the first thing is, oh my gosh, my daddy's my hero, my mommy's my hero. And then you get a little older, and then what do you say? Ugh, I, hate, I hate my dad. You guys have no clue what you're it's talking so about. You guys suck. Stop kissing me. Stop touching mm. me. Stop asking me what I'm doing with my phone. And then the last phase is, freaking amen. My dad was actually not as bad as I thought he was. Mm. He was a good man. My mom was freaking amazing. You know, all this time I bitch about it. This is, this, is, this is better than what I thought. We're right now at the demonizing phase of America. Freaking A. Gosh. We are demonizing this great country nonstop rather than humanizing right. this place and telling ourselves how lucky and grateful we ought to be. Well, the, well, the loudest people are the ones that are doing You humanize things once they're gone, right? Or once you don't have them exactly. anymore. So exactly. Once, the humanizing part of America but it doesn't have when... to get there, though. It doesn't have to get no, there, No, but though. here's the problem. Yeah. We give too much power to the, to the loud minority. We're allowing them to dictate all this and listen to this noise. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, David. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the scary part, is that you start humanizing things once they're gone. And so, like I said, hopefully it doesn't have to get to that, but... Will we humanize America once all our liberties are gone, once all these beautiful things that we love about this country are gone? Good old days. Good that old days. Would, uh, that would really be unfortunate. David, what is your, uh, from the point being made about how you judge a country, how did you process that yourself on what I said? I guess just trying to think of obviously the ideal, right? Just always living in the truth or the full truth. But then as I was thinking about it, I mean, that could be, like you said, so if I tell you all our terrible finances and that everything's terrible, I mean, that means we're a great country? Well, no. And if, if you want to have a united government, my other thing was like, well, I guess then all parties would be aligned and everyone working to the same goal. But that's not good either because there are countries like that where the whole government is aligned to one goal yeah. and it's a bad goal. And, and <laughs> so. by the way, let's question this whole thing about 100% transparency. Is 100% transparency uh, necessary? Do you really want 100% transparency? No. I don't know. I don't want to know what my parents are arguing about. That's what I'm saying to you. My dad right. used to tell my mom when they would argue and they would say, listen, we can argue all day long, but the kids don't need to know about it. Correct. These yeah, guys are 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 years old in Iran. They're already stressed out. You want to add more shit to their plate? Stop it. We don't need to do right. that. So I'm glad there wasn't 100% transparency sure. for my parents to me. And I think this whole idea about having 100% transparency... If you're 100% transparent with your country today, that means you're also being 100% transparent with your enemy today. Why does it make any sense to be 100% transparent with your enemy? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I yeah. uh, 
there used to be a time that I thought that was like, hey, it's the uh, what do you call it? It's right the, thing uh, to do. Yeah, I, I uh, look. I yeah, uh, we were at the wedding. Guys were asking me when we we're building the, the insurance company. We're growing. How many challenges we had? And one of the guys, Fred Terrace and Cindy Cobos, they said, um, man, you really kept a lot of things away from us, like scary things. I said, what do you want me to do? You want me to tell you about it? He says, but how did you do that? Because we thought everything was perfect. I said, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. I chose to be the leader. I'm not supposed to tell you all the problems. Mm -hmm. That's why I chose to. So the leaders need to be taking that responsibility, that way it's to the burden care. of leadership. That is the right. burden of yeah. leadership. Yeah, my, my run for governor in Boca Raton didn't really go that well. <laughs> well, thank God Boca's not a state, but, <laughs> right. you know, if you ever chose to run as a <laughs> no, mayor for Boca. Mayor. I'm sorry, my man. See, that's why I probably didn't go too well either. <laughs> he feels he's a writing candidate for <laughs> I, I, mayor of I Boca. The <laughs> my campaign manager hey, David, wasn't there's the There's a best. lot of old people here. I don't know if they're that gullible, though. Maybe. Uh, my campaign manager wasn't that great. David's got a lot of The old American expression, you don't always want to know how the sausage is made. Right. I mean, some things that are kept secret are better. And you know what? Uh, one more uh, to your point, Pat, the biggest stress relief I think you can have in life. And this is some good advice. I try to teach everybody that are my children this, at least if you have a life of gratitude, your life is so if you can look at any scenario and pick out what is the better part of it, as opposed to always going towards the negative, your life is going to be 75 percent better. It's going to be smoother. You're going to be happier. You're going to have fewer problems. Gratitude. I don't disagree. I do not disagree. Um, okay, let's go to the next story. Disney, page five, if you want to go there. Uh, this is a pretty interesting story on what Disney employees are doing. Disney employees begin relocating from California to Florida. Business-friendly climate. This is a Fox business story. Some of the 2,000 Walt Disney Company employees who are being moved from California to Florida are already eyeing up the housing market near Orlando. Disney announced in July that it would move 2,000 employees from California to Florida and part of the Florida business-friendly climate. It's not just 2,000 employees. It's 2,000 employees. Uh, it's not just 2,000 employees. It's 2,000 employees, their families and extended families, one realtor said. I also kind of panicked and was like, gosh, we don't have enough inventory as it is. More buyers coming in is going to make it very difficult to win bids for these buyers, and we're trying to help. The median price of a home is far below California, sitting at 318 for Florida versus 951 in California. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Three eighteen times yeah. nine fifty one, exactly yeah. three times higher. And that's Man. wow. And that's the state of California. That's not Los Angeles. No, or that's San not Francisco. LA. That's state of California. Yeah. You know, I'll jump out on this real quickly because I'm the only one that doesn't live in Florida. Um, you know, it's amazing. We go from a story where people don't want to work. He lives in Texas. Oh, sorry, Tom. I it's the same thing. Right. Yeah, uh, go from a story where people Mine, don't want to work. The palm trees <laughs> and beach. <laughs> to where people will leave everything. And cross the entire country with their family for that job. I think this is going to be fun to do a follow-up in about a year. Because these are great headlines. This is very interesting. And you leave California, I totally get it on the business side. But it'll be interesting to see how some of these families adjust. Because there will be culture shock involved in some of these moves for people. If you lived in California your whole life and you move to Florida, it's going to take an adjustment. It's different, right? The weather's different. The ocean is on the opposite side of what you're used to. I find that just weird, right? You go to the ocean, you always assume you're going west. I bet that took you a little while, too, in California. Now here, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> Interesting You know, I, I find that, you know, that's how I figure out my directions. If I'm going towards the wow. ocean, I know north is that way. I got to admit, I haven't thought of that one. Yeah, that was pretty cool, though. <laughs> but the other thing, too, I mean, there's just so many aspects of your life. If you're a sports fan, how do you get used to the game starting that much later? You're used to watching a 
NFL game starting at 6 o'clock in primetime yeah. or 530, and now you're not going to bed till 1 a.m. if you want to stay to the end of it. So it's interesting. It totally makes sense. These companies are doing it. It'll be interesting to see what type of toll or what kind of effects this has on people that have made this move. Uh, it might be all worth it because of the cost. Of, you can get such a bigger house. Your life can change instantly. And, and you know what? We know it. Shonda and I had to go to Arizona on Friday. You just feel different when you go into a state like Arizona or you go to Texas or you go to Florida like I do every week or you go to California for a day. There's differences. When you can walk into a place of business and not think, did I bring my mask? It's a totally different world. I mean, seriously, you panic in California. I don't have my mask. What do I do? Oh, my God, I don't have it. Can I pull my my shirt up over my face, will that work? You know, they're getting a little bit lax because I think store owners and business owners are sick of it as well. But it's just different when you come out here. It's freedom. It feels wonderful. Look, I, I love this story because I remember when Bob Iger talked about the fact that they had to let go of 78,000 employees in California. And he was a guy that was sitting on Newsom's board helping them out. Right, yeah. And then he resigned. He says, look, I'm not playing this game with you because you're hurting all these families here while the businesses around Disney World were doing okay because they were still open. People could mm -hmm. still go there. And then fast forward 12 months later, 16 months later, Florida DeSantis was seen as an irresponsible governor. Now their COVID uh, 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 cases are lower than the state of California, who's like the responsible state. So this is not a good look for California. This is a great look for Florida. But I will tell you, behind closed doors, a lot of Floridians don't want people from California to come here. And that's straight up. Mm -hmm. They do they not want I it. I don't people blame you. from California right. to come to Florida. There's a bigger story underneath this. Right now, the, the, the headline is 2,000 people are going to drive up the price of housing because they're selling an expensive house coming to Florida. Yep. They're going to be able to bid higher. And, you know, our... And the realtor is saying, am I even going to be able to help you? The bigger story here is that Disney is very quietly moved 2,000 people from the Walt Disney Company. And these weren't theme park workers. And they have moved an operation. It's not about the 2,000 that are there now. It's about the next 1,000 that they're going to be hiring in the next five years. And Disney is saying that Florida is a better business climate. And I'm moving a massive division to Florida. And they're probably going to get a little bit of wage moderation and regulation moderation, definitely, versus California. The bigger story is the mouse doesn't want to say out loud that they're leaving California. And they're very happy to have the narrative be about this migration of people and stuff. But the mouse is moving a division to Florida because they think it's a better place to do business. And just like Texas, when Toyota moved all those people from Hawthorne, California to Dallas, you know, Texas, a lot of Texas citizens were like, okay, so we get a lot of blue people coming here, slowly tinting us on the vote toward <clears throat> lavender, and they're not looking for that. But Toyota did it for economic reasons, too. Nobody wants to go out and criticize the state of California in public, but there are businesses that continue to move out, big businesses who try to show this nice rainbow flag. And yeah. we, we're okay with everybody. Everything's cool. It's all here. Yay. And, and, and donate politically and stuff while very quietly and economically yeah. moving. Yeah. Think of the decision making involved in moving 2,000 people. That's a lot of logistics. And I will say this about Disney. When that initial release came out where they said they're moving these 2,000 workers, they did say that the California business climate is way less attractive than Florida. They did call them out a little bit. So I think that to a certain extent, they're not afraid of saying it now. If you're going to make that big of a decision to move, I mean, I think you, you know, everybody knows why, and it's okay to say it. All right, let's talk I'm about this. I'm just waiting uh, for In-N-Out to move to, to Florida. Well, That's I've already, I've already made my commitment to yeah. In-N-Out. If they come here, I will buy one franchise from yeah. them, even though they don't do it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. I will gladly buy one from. Hey, them. you know what? I think, just, I think Pat. I think this office will keep you in business. Pat, that was that was a novelty yeah. story initially, but that thing's got like some real legs. I mean, if the yeah. actual CEO is talking to the governor of the state of California, state of Florida, the state of Florida, it's more than yeah. just state you of know, Boca. it's yeah. not just like a publicity stunt. <laughs> David, David got a shout out. Yeah, Go, I did. Gov- Governor Mayor David is, is uh, <laughs> emperor. Now that's a perfect charmer, country. <laughs> charmer, right there. Okay. NBC reveals dirty little secret. People can't afford inflation just fine. This is a newsbuster story. According to NBC business correspondent Stephanie Rule, on Sunday today, the dirty little secret is that American public can afford inflation just fine, and they're just uh, uh, belaying it, uh, uh, belly aching it. But you just might have to sell your home or tap your 401k to survive the winter. And the dirty little secret here, while nobody likes to pay more, on average, we have the money to do so, she declared. For those who own their homes and value their own homes are up. And while the stock market isn't the economy, you have over half of American households with some investments in the market, and the market has hit a record highs. But those aren't the most liquid of assets. So is rules advice for people to sell their homes and take out a loan so they can afford to eat? What about the people who rent? What about those who rent and were relying on eviction moratorium? Can you imagine the snobby message from this Stephanie Rule saying, look, you can't afford it. Stop bitching that inflation is affecting you. Here's what's so crazy. Here's what's so crazy. A guy said the other day, he says, Pat, you have money. Why are you complaining about gas prices? I said, do you think gas prices affect me personally? No. Do you think inflation affects me personally? No. Matter of fact, do you think inflation has helped me or hurt me? Helped you. It's helped me tremendously. Who do you think inflation, gas prices hurts the most? Low and middle income. Low and middle American. income. So the same people. The 5,000 jobs you made so the same, with your company. So the same people, the same people who claim they care for the little guy, the low income, middle mm-hmm. income families are going up there saying, stop complaining. You can afford inflation. Go spend the money on gas and go shopping. Do you realize the level of hypocrisy when it comes down to the conversations of yep. inflation? Go ahead, Tom. So let's say this was business roundtable, guest Patrick Bet David, conservative capitalist from Florida. What was it you that just said the exact same thing she said? What would be the reaction? From Bernie Sanders all the way down, oh my goodness, listen to this guy. He doesn't give a damn about the worker. It's a double standard. This is horrifying. When I read this, I was like, where's the outrage? Where is the outrage? If Jeff Bezos, who's not necessarily conservative, came out and said this, they, oh, there, here it is, this guy, you know, serfs and lords. Here he is out there just squeezing the little people. Yet a, a, a talking, a liberal talking head is allowed to say this. Never mind that it's logically bankrupt, that you'll continue to sell all of your assets till you're down to zero, till you get through a nuclear winter that you don't know how long it's going to be. I, I, the double this this thing was just horrifying to me. It's a double standard. It's wrong-headed logic. And if anybody else said that, they'd be crucified. Anybody I, surprised, though? Well, no. Are you surprised? I'm no. not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised. But, it, you know, I'm not surprised, but I was I was shocked in that I was not I was not surprised, but I was the same shocked. Got it. Makes sense. Go ahead, Tom. Well, I don't know if it's this chair, this microphone, but I'm not as offended with her statement as you guys are. I don't know if it's Adam channeling me through this microphone or whatnot. You know, I will say this. 
I am maybe not quite as offended by the statement for one reason. She's a TV personality. Maybe she, look what she did. I know her name now. I didn't know it before. Now, I, I don't know if she was doing it for that I reason. So. But I also will say this. I think everybody speaks from a level of perspective. And, 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 Pat, I think her perspective is I make a pretty damn good salary as an NBC correspondent. It's not affecting me yet. So I'm speaking from that perspective. I don't know if this was an overarching commentary of how it affects all of America. But just to take a little bit different side here, um, I can see where she's coming from a little bit. because, But it hasn't hit her big yet because right now prices across the board are 6% higher than they were a year ago. And that number is going to go higher and it's going to cross many, many more categories Listen, than it already is. It's, it's, it's interesting you're saying that. I remember running a sales office and one day I look up. I'm 25, 26 years old. 95% of all my sales guys were under the age of 25, okay? Uh, they were all hooking up with each other. They, they, I would come on Sundays, no joke, at my office, and on Sundays they're on the floor having sex at my sales office. That's how crazy the sales office was. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not even, I would tell them, I'm like, listen, go go to a different place, and they would say, look, we don't have a different place. I said, dude, you finish up, I'll come back in. I'd give them 10 <laughs> minutes, I'd come back. I'm, I'm telling you a true story. <laughs> and then here's what I realized. These 20-year-olds, these 21-year-olds were broke. They didn't have a market. Everybody else they knew were going to clubs. They were rolling. They were doing ecstasy. They were talking about what's the best G to use and all this other crap. And one day I'm like, I'm done. Don't give me a phone number for another person that's 21 years old. Hmm. I only want to call clients or people who are interested in doing business that are above 25 years old, married with kids. So watch what I did. As a single person, sometimes when we talk about kids, what do single people typically do? I don't care. Why? I got kids. I don't think about what it is to have kids, right? right? But I realized the reason why everybody in my office was single was because I only knew the life of a person who was what? Single. single. So I said, mm. wait a minute. If you want to truly be able to get a clientele that's making money, that's married with kids, you have to understand what it is to be married with kids and the pains that parents go through, right? So this girl that's talking about this inflation deal that everybody else can go suck it up and do whatever they're doing, she's not putting herself in the situation of a single mother right now with two kids trying to do her best to work in homeschool in the state of California and trying to make the whole thing happen. And this kid is having to go through this the last 18 months. All she's thinking about is the people she's around all the time. So, no, I don't understand her rhetoric that she's got. She's living in a different world, she, completely out of that, touch. But that is the whole thing. Like that, that is the whole thing about rich people that lost perspective of what it was mm -hmm. once to be low income in middle America. If you can't connect with them, you lose. Try try a social experiment. There go is, go live on their wage yeah. for a month and then complain yeah, about it's a, it. It's an insult. If yeah. I'm somebody that's making twenty eight bucks an hour and I'm trying to do my best to support my husband, my wife, my kids, I'm offended by her comments. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. I'm not offended by it. It doesn't do nothing to me. Zero. I am not at all directly impacted by this, but I know tens of millions of families who are. And I think uh, Tom had a great point in terms of if this was an, a person on the Republican side or a rich person, God forbid, that said something like this, then they'd be like, oh, you're just saying it because you're this or that. They'd be totally railing against it as opposed to just being, oh, well, I guess it is what it is. Yeah, it's just, listen, when you lose perspective, you no longer connect with people. Mm -hmm. Bush Sr. went through it, where the lady asked him, asked him a question about the fact that, hey, how does the debt affect you? you. Yeah. And then he gave an answer saying, you don't think it affects me? And then Clinton came in and says, let me tell you what we do in the state of Arkansas. And he won. Mm -hmm. And he was right, because yeah. Bush lost perspective on how to connect with families that are struggling yeah. with this. The moment you can't do that, sure. you're, you're done with But the ironic thing about this is the audience for her is a left-leaning voting. And, and
And those are the people that are yeah. suffering the most, right? And they're the ones that are least effect- offended probably by this because they're used to having this rhetoric thrown at them. The classic limousine liberal. Right. Uh, uh, okay, so let's go to the next story here that we got. Uh, you want to do the economist Larry Summers first? Let's do that. Obama's economist Larry Summers slams Biden on inflation, saying it doesn't look so transitory. Page six, if you want to go there. Uh, let me see over here. Okay, so here we go. Uh, 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 Larry Summers, who was a secretary treasurer under Clinton and directed the National Economic Council under Obama, said on CNN that inflation is going to be unavoidable for the near future. I think the odds are that we're going to have inflation of a kind we haven't seen in 30 years, which already happened, Mm -hmm. until either the Fed takes some significant move with respect to monetary policy, which I think what he's saying is increasing rates, or until there is some kind of accident that disrupts the economic growth we are enjoying. What is he talking about? Summers continued by (laughs) pointing out that he thinks the Biden administration is acting incorrectly and making the situation worse. I think the Fed has made a significant mistake in the approach that is, uh, it's taken by doubling down on massive fiscal stimulus we had at the beginning of the year and really easy monetary policy. Let me read this one more time from the Obama camp. I'm going to read this one more time, folks, if you're listening to this. The Obama camp. You ready? I think the Fed has made a significant mistake on the approach it's taking by doubling down on massive fiscal stimulus. Huh. So he's saying stimulus is not a good thing. A massive fiscal stimulus we had at the beginning of the year and uh, with really easy monetary policy. Aren't they trying to push the next two, three, four trillion dollar? The 1.75. Yeah, they're trying to push the next one. They want more than 1.75. But okay, so what are your thoughts about what he's saying here with inflation? Tom, I'm going to go to you first. It it just, I mean, when you look at where the source is, and and that's the most most unbelievable thing. And then. I'm looking down the road because I don't know how you can argue against inflation right now. It is coming. It is coming in a much, much bigger way. We've only seen the beginning of it. What is this going to do to them next year or in the 2022 elections, right, the midterms? So this, the, just seeing this bickering when they're – but this is just common sense. You cannot argue against it. And I think for his credibility, he can't say anything but this because it makes sense. I think, though, that's why they're not pushing for it, though, is the 2022 midterm election that – if they increase the rates before then, things are going to slow down. And it's going to be worse. So they're, my guess would be they're banking on rather let it roll through the midterm elections and then kind of do damage control on the back end as opposed to try to limit it on the front end. So, so here's here's a so can we all agree that the face of the Democratic Party is still Obama? Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Who would you say is the face of the Democratic Party? As far today? as he's still popular, yes. But mm-hmm. would you say he's the face? Like what he says, everybody follows. So my, let me just throw some names out there and you tell me. No, no, he's the E.F. Hutton of That's the Democratic what I'm saying. Party yeah. okay, right now. Okay, cool. So if he is the E.F. Hutton and he's the voice, do you think behind closed doors? A serious question. Folks, I'm curious to know what you say about this. Serious question. Because I, I had a big debate with a conservative the other day. He wasn't too happy about my position on Obama, Okay, where I feel Obama is today. Um, here's a question. With Obama, how often do you think Obama and Biden speak today? Pretty regularly. I'm going to say infrequently. I'm, I'm going to say not that frequently. You're saying pretty regularly. That my, that'd be my guess. Tell me what pretty regularly means. Uh, I'd say on a weekly basis. Once a week. Yeah. Tom, you agree with that? Sorry, Kai. Hell no. Yeah. I don't think he's looking for advice from Biden You think at it's all. every day? Really? Hell no. Oh. So you're saying how often. So how often do you think him and Obama speak? Christmas and birthdays. Uh, you, really? You're going there. I don't now, think, do I, what do you think? Do okay. I think Obama's speaking to a lot of the people in the circle? I agree with that. Yes. Okay, so okay. what do you think? I think politically Obama's trying to distance himself from Joe Biden. So I think very, very infrequently. Very, very infrequently. infrequently. Okay, 
So, okay, if that's the case, do you think Obama's sitting here himself saying, look, I, I don't want my legacy to be tied to Joe because I think Joe's about to go to the gutter, and I don't want them to say my policies did this because if Biden goes to the gutter and everybody says, and Joe says, I'm just following all the policies that Obama had, and Obama's going to be like, wait a minute, you got to stop saying that because I, I don't want my policies to be your policies because your policies are really hurting everything that's going on right now in America. I don't want to associate myself with you with this, by the way. Uh, our buddy here to my right's got a lowrider, and he's got these <laughs> oh hydraulics. I'm not used to that, man. I just, either the sea level shrunk or there's something up with this chair. <laughs> Global warming. No, I think there's something there's something here that's very interesting. Warming of the globe. Uh, Go ahead. Right. Uh, looks like two globes. But anyway, the um, you've got in the Obama administration. Summers and Geithner did a really good job of taking the hand off from Bush. Yeah. It, the economy didn't go off the cliff. They, they had 08, 09. They had things to deal with. They had TARP. And I thought they did a really good job of preventing just carnage on the financial side in the recovery stage. And 09 and 10 were great on the recovery stage after the crash of 08. And I think these guys are sensible, really sensible. And I think they're also thinking about their – legacy. And I think in the Democratic Party, there's a bunch of things moving. I think they don't want Joe to run again next time. I think they want to absolute castrate any opportunity that there is for that. And I think that Obama doesn't want his legacy to be tarnished. And I honestly think that Summers and Geithner really want, and Summers speaking here, but remember, Tim was always right next to him. I think they really want things to be better and i think he's pointing out look guys you can't go further you can't and if there is you say that you're just waiting because you want to you know wait to do something for the economy so that you don't get accused of making a mistake going into the mm -hmm. midterm i think you guys are making a mistake with that action and i think it's as simple as simple as that and i think larry's unafraid to speak i don't think it's a hit piece i don't think he's been unleashed to go after him i think he's out there saying hey i did this job I, I was here in the middle of a crisis, guys. I did not have you, eight years of peace and think, prosperity. Do you think Obama's moving further and further and further to the right? You think ever since Obama, from day one of Obama taking presidency to today, do you think gradually he's moving a little bit more to the center? I'm asking I, a question. It's I, either yes or no. I, I'm said, saying not necessarily. I don't. I don't uh, believe I think so. that. I think so. Because you don't think necessarily. No. Tell I me really why. Don't. Do. Well, I, okay. But what what is the upside for him even commenting right now? Did somebody reach out? This is strategic. He did this for a reason. And this is less than one year into Biden's term. I really okay, truly go there. Okay. Go there. I, what is? What do you I, think? It I is? think Obama is disassociating himself with Biden to the point where he's going to dictate who runs next. So. This is not a coincidence. This this gets out there for a reason. Obama's still young. He's still very, very relevant, right? He might be the Wizard of Oz pulling all the strings in the mm -hmm. background. Who knows? And I'm trying to think who who would be his handpick. Is it Michelle? I, I don't know. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I think they're, they're trying to castrate it. They said it was transitory. Doesn't look so transitory. They're wrong. That's what he's saying. You're wrong. They said it was a few specific factors. Doesn't look to be a few specific factors. He's saying again, they're wrong. So how many times can he say in a, in a very polite political statement, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong? I, it sounds like a Republican saying that. That's exactly right. You know, it's so bizarre. Although it would be more inflammatory yeah. if it was coming from the pure and, right. And this is his guy, this guy he campaigned for. So, 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 again, going back to the question, do you think he's moving to the center? 
I think so. I think he's moving think he's more, more to the center. More towards the center. I think Obama 08 put on a persona that was more liberal than he really was. Do you think Obama 08? I think 08, it's come back. Do you I think, think Obama 08 is AOC 2021? Or do you think Obama 08 is Bill Clinton 1996? I'm hoping well, Clinton, it's Clinton. Well, Clinton ran to the center. I think Obama 08, he was a little more... He was a little more left. Obamacare, all that stuff, yeah, yeah, affordable yeah. health care. Okay. What I'm going to promise to you and all this. But I think that he's been unmasked you know, as far more of a moderate. Yeah, I mean, th- that happens when you make $50, $100 million. <laughs> right. Life changes slightly. Because changes, when, when, yeah. when, you, when you get a tax bill end yeah. of the year that you got to pay $6.8 yeah. you look at Michelle and you say, you know what, babe, this year, listen, maybe we got to make that phone call to Larry <laughs> to say, listen, we ain't going to 40%. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, Pat, a good way to judge it is. Michelle, you got my old phone. You got my old phone. Give me the, Michelle, give me a Salem and get me an old phone. Who's got my phone? I, I got to call the IRS. <laughs> Do I still have the IRS on speed dial? Let's see who he backs. Let's see who he campaigns for yeah. in 2022. If he's out there for AOC and Omar and some of these others. because I don't think he'll do that. I, I agree. I don't think he'll be out no, there. No, I don't think he'll That, that uh, would ruin no. for him. That no. would ruin for him. I don't him. think. No, listen. Bernie AOC he's squad. He's a very smart he's guy. Not he is that. a very, very smart guy. Whether you like him, agree with him, it doesn't matter. You have to respect an opponent. That guy is a very, very smart guy, and he knows what he's doing. He, he, he's a, he's a your-next-15-moves type of guy, mm-hmm. knowing what he's got going on. Anyways, here's the next one here. Nearly half the Democrats want a candidate other than Biden to run in 2024. A poll reveals. This is page 7. Interesting. Let's take a look at this, see where this goes. Uh, by the way, how many of you guys are Democrats who are watching this, who are comfortable commenting that, yes— as a Dem who voted for Biden, I would like somebody else to run in 2024 than Biden. If yes, comment. If you are. Don't put it if you're not. Just if yes, comment. I'm curious. Or you'd like him to stay and tell us why. So here we go. Nearly half of Democrats want a candidate other than Biden to run in 2024. This is a New York Times story. This is not New York Post. This is New York Times. Over 40% of Democrats believe their party will have a better chance of winning in 2024. President Biden is replaced at the top of the ticket. According to a poll released on Monday, 44% of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independent want other candidates on the ballot. 36% want to keep Biden and 20% aren't sure. Uh, a Marist national poll found among Republicans and GOP leading independents, 50 percent believe former President Donald Trump gives them the best chance of retaking the White House. Thirty five percent would opt for someone else and 14 percent don't. And just 44 percent of Americans approve of Joe Biden's uh, uh, doing, while 49 percent disapprove. Thoughts. OK, here's the scary part. This is a loaded question. What is the alternative? Right. There could be a worse alternative than Joe Biden. You mean Kamala? Yes, I do. And, and, and maybe somebody else, but primarily her. So they're definitely I, Joe Biden would look really good to me if it was Kamala Harris as the alternative. So this is interesting. I, I think people are disgraced by some of his actions. He, he's not acting like a president. They don't even know how much he's capable of doing on a day-to-day basis. So I can understand the Democrats wanting somebody else in that poll but or running in 2024, but who could it possibly be? And if it's Kamala, that's a scarier thought. I got, I got a list here on this website. Uh, they, they have Newsom as a potential, the top, okay? Mm-hmm. They have Michael Bennett uh, as a potential, senator from Colorado. They have AOC. They have Kamala Harris. They have Nina Turner. They have Howard Schultz again. They have Mark Cuban who could, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, and then you got some of the other Cuomo's and all these other guys, you know, Gretchen Whitmire, you know, uh, uh, same same name. So who could potentially win 2024 outside of Biden? 
When I think, the, I well, think first of all, I think they're going to break ranks. Cory Booker wanted it so badly. He wanted to be VP so badly. And he was just disgusted that he lost. I mean, he was really not a team player when the VP selection came. And he wanted to be that guy. So I think they're going to break ranks. And a guy like Cory Booker is going to run. So there's a few of these that are going to go that still have good support and are coming from a position that they're not too, this word, politically volatile. And Cory Booker's not so incredibly politically volatile. He's going to get his support. I think he's going to go. And I, 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 I discount the Howard Schultzes. I discount the Mark Cubans sort of vanity picks, uh, populist picks. But I think they're going to break ranks. And I don't think that this is going to be the central party, the Democrat Party, is going to be able to select what they want to do. Now, I don't think that Kamala Harris is going to be able to get support. I think that's a non-starter. She, I mean, Kamala has more disapproval than than Biden does, so I don't think that I'm not I'm not worried about that aspect. But the other thing is, when you're saying there's not a lot of people, I mean, think about two years ago. Was DeSantis a name two years ago? There's still two and a half, two years to go until they're running. So very there's a lot point. of time. Very good point. for somebody yeah. to step up to make some speech to rise. Like a shooting star. I mean, look at uh, Cuomo, how fast he was a shooting star and then went straight. Or Obama. Down. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. So right. um, that aspect, I mean, there's a lot of lot of time where they can find somebody who can create a situation like that on that end. They don't have a deep bench today. No. So it's going to be a draft pick, guys, what you're saying. Exactly. It's, so it's you're up in saying, the air. It's up so, in the air. so let me ask you, how often does a draft pick like Obama come and win a championship for you or a Super Bowl? You think there's a Mahomes out there? You think there's an Obama out there? It's tough to kind of lean on. Somebody like that to, to come bet, out. To bet on that is a risky strategy. So let me ask you, when is the it? next uh, DNC, when is the next uh, convention they're going to be having? Is it the one in 03? Uh, when is the next convention that uh, uh, the— that, That'll be the year of the, the actual election, yeah, So that's pretty scary because they need something next year. Mm-hmm. Like the Democrats need to create their own big convention next year, call it whatever you want to call it, have a lineup of speakers come mm-hmm. for two or three days, and see if one pops with an audience and say— yeah. That may that's, be our guy. That's our guy. Yeah. Well, they have our two guy. problems. They've got the midterm problem. We know what's going on there. Is that it? it How it, bad do you think it's going to be? We haven't asked you yet. How bad I think, think it's going to be very bad. bad. I think the midterm is going to be a big swing. I, get, I think it's going to be like the, you know, remember the Obama swing? The yeah. first term? 63. That's right. Not one Republican incumbent lost. And what was it? 12 Republican rookies were elected. It was horrifying. Yeah. So I, I think the midterms could be that bad or even worse. That's the first problem. And then the second problem is how do we unify our party and what do we unify around? Because we're not Trump and we can fix the economy. Both are unavailable. Okay. Biden, Tyler, go ahead. Biden won because what? I'm not Trump. Good. I, th- I think people just uh, keep discounting Michelle Obama. I mean, 2024, DeSantis isn't going to run. He's already announced Trump is going to run in 2024. DeSantis said he ain't running. Right. He's running for he's running for reelection of governor in Florida in 2022. So he's not going to run in 2024. No, but he has Tr- to say that if he's running for governor next year, because yeah. he can always leave. Yeah. He, I mean, he can always bounce afterwards. Like, why would why would you vote for him then if two years later he's going to bounce or and 18 he, months? He, and later. he's got to get one of his people in there when yeah. he does leave. Yeah. Interesting. Bishman just gave five bucks and he said, I voted for Biden in 2020, but I want a younger candidate in 2024. DeSantis is interesting if the Dems can't find a good candidate. Good for you. Okay. Very reasonable. Good for you. Uh, Okay. Next story. We got Howard Stern. By the way, I'm going to read what Trump said, what uh, Trump's poll are looking like today, which is very interesting to see Trump's poll this way. Donald Trump beats 
Joe Biden in latest 2024 election poll, and no, this is not Fox or New York Post, this is Newsweek, okay? The poll released Friday by Emerson College shows Trump narrowly beating Biden in a hypothetical matchup. While neither Trump nor Biden is backed by the majority of the voters, the former president is currently two points ahead of the current president. Trump is supported by 45% of registered voters, while Biden is backed by only 43%. Meanwhile, 11% of registered voters said they want to vote for someone else, and just 1% said... They remain undecided. Emerson's polling also shows that Biden's approval rating continues to dip while his disapproval rating surges upward. In September, was 46% of registered voters approved or Biden, 47% disapproved. Now, outset of November, he's at 41%. Wow. Uh, said they approve of the president while 50% chimed in their disapproval, and it's not looking too good. So tr- Trump being the guy that loves polls. He probably loves that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pat, can I say something? Yeah, go for it. This feels like uh, you break up with your girlfriend and you find a new one, and then you find the new one isn't any better, and you're like, I kind of missed the last one. And then you just end up with the last one, and then it's just back and forth. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> Pat, I missed her something. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. It's just like the grass isn't greener. Like, I tried it. It didn't work. And by the way, yeah. and by, and by the way the 11% that want to vote for someone else, when they walk into that voting booth, they're going to vote for Jackson or Benjamin. You know, <laughs> they're on the 20, they're on the 100. They're going to vote with their wallet when they walk into that voting booth. And they're probably going to break more for Trump, but they don't want to say it out loud. But they're going to vote with their wallet. Huh. I think there's one thing here, though. with the, You have disapproval numbers, but you also have, like, hate numbers. Where people are viciously opposed to certain people. And especially when it comes to either Biden or um, Trump, that there's people who are very against. Like... With, say it's a, it's a Biden-Trump run again, it's, it's more of the question of who do you not want more? And that's who they're going to vote against. So I think a big thing as well is there's who would you vote for, but then there's also who would you vote against? Because a big thing as well is yeah. the people mm-hmm. who wouldn't vote. Like, if I don't care, then you don't vote. But th- you need to get those people to either hate the person or to like them enough to vote. And that's more where it's interesting. Two Robert, can- Sh- Robert Sheridan just gave 10 bucks and he said, Dems got caught with their pants down in 2016. They will never let someone like Trump win again. Yeah. Do you think he's right? I don't. Th- yes, but I don't think Trump's running. I, I'm going to stand by that. I don't think it'll be Biden versus Prediction Trump in 2024. I really don't. Why, am I not I'm allowed to? Hundred bucks. You know what? I, I, you know, you never talk about my great predictions, and I make a lot of them. A lot of them. A very we're high list, percentage we're, of we're, them. We're, we're looking forward to hearing one. Go ahead. Like, what's the great many of them. I'll, I'll give you a whole list. Next time I'm here, I'm going to bring a list next you time should. because Make it's so easy clip. to take shots and, at me. So okay, hang on, hang on. Because I'm bold and don't and fearless. Hang on, I got my wallet. First, I want the odds, and then I want to know how I can bet. Okay, well, let me Trump's just say not this. running. Give us the odds. Okay, Take let it. me ask you a question. Do you read anything <laughs> into the fact that the Trump family is selling their hotel in Washington D.C.? I do a little bit. He might not be running in 2024. You know, they're they're selling their hotel. Tom know. predicted I'd be governor of Boca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm projecting worried, right now. Um, so, so you're saying they're doing that because they don't think they're going to be living in D.C. anytime soon. Uh, or what? What an advantage that was, you know, hosting people when you are the president, and maybe you don't think you need it down the road. I just think that the po- more powerful forces will convince him not to run. Then run. I don't. I don't think he's going to be running. I hope. We, I hope we can look back at well, this in three years and say I was right. Well, here's here's some people. If you want entertainment, you want hope. him to run. If you like entertainment, 
you want him to run? Because here's what Howard Stern just said. Howard Stern just made a bold prediction about Donald Trump's 2024 run. This is a The List story. During a recent episode of his hit series on Series XM show, Stern floated the idea of running for 2024 against Donald Trump. The well-respected interviewer quipped that he is primed to totally beat his ass. In fact, Stern considers running against Trump his civic duty, he said, since it means potentially stopping a controversial politician from securing a second term, I would just sit there and play that effing clip of him trying to fix the election over and over again, Stern said, referring to the now infamous call Trump made to Brad, attempting to talk to the Georgia Secretary of State into engineering proof of election fraud and is on his behalf. There's no way I'd lose. Stern co-host Robin Quiver said, agreed and said, if Trump decides to run again, you have to run against him. You can't leave it to the Democrats. Interesting. You think Stern would run? You think this is just no. one of those gibberish stuff that he's talking about? Yeah, he's yeah. a talking head, and he does what talking heads do. And, and you know, I, I will say this. Howard Stern has become completely irrelevant by choice. Uh, there's a serious problem with him. I think, I guarantee you, Sirius has serious regrets about re-upping his contract last year. He doesn't want to be there. You know he took the summer off. He took June, July, August off. He, w- he took it off. He got it into his contract. He is so bitter. He, he's so fearful. His, his shtick is so old right now. And I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. And I guarantee you, if you ask any Howard Stern fan out there right now, they're not into it anymore because he's just so bitter. He's so angry. He never leaves his house in the Hamptons. He's so disconnected from everything that's going on. This worked in the 90s when he was going to run for governor. And he said something yeah. like this. He'd get a real rally. But right now he's just saying it because he's out of material. So I'm having dinner with Marvin and D. Del Valle in L.A. At Palau's winning. And conversation comes about Trump. He's asking, do you think Trump's going to run? And I gave him my feedback on what I think is going to happen. And he says, you know what's my biggest concern about Trump? I said, what's that? He says, Trump used to sell the dream. Okay, He used to excite. He used to sell the dream. He used to say, America's this, America's that, America's this. And he says, for whatever reason, over the years, he got so bitter. And it was only about going against the people and you know, just being animosity, berating all these enemies and all this stuff. I said, you know what it reminded me of? He said, what? I said, if anybody in Trump's camp hears this, you may want to consider this, although there's not a lot to be considered. But (laughs) if you do consider this, here's what I would say. Say you have a team of uh, 100 sales guys that work for you. Okay, if you got 100 sales guys that it's work for a lot of people you. having sex on the floor. Yeah, if, if, if they're <laughs> under 25 for sure. So that office would need to be sponsored by Trojan. But let's just say you do have an office of 100 salespeople, okay? Here's what the demographic's going to look like. Out of your 100 sales guys, one of them's going to be the dominator that's beating and crushing everybody. That example that everybody gets annoyed because he or she makes more money than everybody else by a mile. Then you're going to have four or five top performers, Okay that are stars, but not the superstar. Then you're going to have 10 people that are doing good, okay? Then you got the middle people that are, like, showing up. They're not consistent. They're inconsistent. But the same way you have the one guy that's a super true believer in you, you have the one guy that cannot stand you, despises you. Every word you say, he just hangs on that to use it during lunch to tell the guys, did you hear what Tom said? Did you hear what Tom said? This is why Tom's not a good leader. We should go work somewhere else, right? And then you have about 10 complainers that follow that one big deceptive guy, right? Okay. When a sales leader gets up and speaks to his 100 guys, if you talk to your group as if you're only trying to prove that deceptive guy, the negative guy wrong, you're going to lose your audience. Mm -hmm. You have to get up and talk to the 80% that are willing to have somebody sell them the dream. Trump stopped talking to people that were open-minded, and he only talked to his enemies, you gotta get. You gotta forget about the enemies that are gonna be there. They're gonna say what they're gonna say. If you would have sold the dream, it would have been a little bit more about, hey, America's great, America's this, America's that. 
that messaging went away a little bit. So, yep. look, if, if Trump decides to ro- go run again, the messaging would need to change a little bit. Approach would need to change yeah. a little bit because if he goes the yeah. same way, uh, results are going to be the same. I, I totally yeah. agree with that. And here's the other thing. Is part of his motivation for running payback? And getting revenge. And I have one more term. I what can do, do whatever think? the hell. What do you think? I'd say it definitely is an element involved in that. It's the same thing with Cuomo thinking about running for attorney general. It's probably the main reason why he would want to you do that. You think it is a revenge thing for Trump? I, How, what percentage do you think is revenge for Trump? Between uh, 13 to 24%. Here we go. Freaking. I think about these things. I don't throw out random numbers. Stop. 13 that to, sounds stop. very random. But That you is put, not you random. Put, you put that is not number. random. There's a low and a high. It's so, like so, instead of saying 80%, in it's like 70 Six percent. By the way, I I don't think it's thirteen percent. I think it's a pretty high number. That is actually. I think it's revenge. higher too. I don't think it's thirteen percent. I think it's you guys embarrass me. Watch what I'm going to mm-hmm. do to you. I think there's an yeah. element of that taking Nothing place. Yeah, I think there's an element of that taking place, and I think there's the other element. You know what the other element is? You know what's the cool thing about somebody leaving you and talking trash about you, and then a year, two years later, saying, "Man, freaking a, I miss that guy." I, I don't want to say this, but you know, mm-hmm. you know what the I'm saying, David. Thing. Is the it's ex-girlfriend. Thing. That's right, Mary. Mary, if you're listening, David loves you. <laughs> David loves you. He Come cries back. every day in front of my office, saying, "What do I need to do to get her back?" If you're listening, please get Mary, back. I can explain the text messages. She yeah, really those text messages. Get back to him. that DM he sent to that one girl. It was a mistake. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. I just I think one of the best things that happened to Trump was getting kicked off of social media. Because everybody hated Trump. They said, no no more mean tweets. Well, now you don't have them. Now Trump's not out there running yeah. his mouth all the time, 24 hours a day, unfiltered Trump. You lose that. So people, like David said, it's like an ex-girlfriend. They start to rethink and say, well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, he needs a different Let approach. Let me ask you a question. You were at Mar-a-Lago recently, right? Yeah, I was. What's the vibe out there? I mean, he's living there, isn't he? Isn't F- fired up is yeah. what it was. Huh. It fired up and... Uh, lit up is what it was. So you know, K- Kellyanne was there. Jared was there. It was a f- American First Policy Institute. You know, the whole uh, uh, idea of uh, low taxes, low regulation. Larry Kudlow was there. It was, was more like a business uh, uh, principles than it was more about the political stuff. And I think Trump gave a 90-minute speech. You know what he looked like? He looked like he was campaigning. Hmm. That's what it looked like. Right. He looked like he was campaigning. So yeah. we're going to see what's going to end up happening. But uh, uh, – Confidence was pretty up there with a lot of interesting influencers. I have a in question. The world. I have a question. If, if say Biden and Trump ran, do you think on any party they try to split the vote? Like there any breakout and try to run? What do you mean? Like a Ross Perot style in terms of more somebody that's not. Oh, I see what that, you're saying. Like would the Re- okay. would the Republican Party split? Would the Democratic Party split? Would both of them split? I'd say there's more of a chance of that happening in 2024 than in the past. I think it's a possibility. I, I do. Listen, here's but which all, party then? Here's listen. Here's Republican. what I'd like to see. Here's what I'd like to see. I think as a strategist, if you're a strategist, I consider myself a strategist where I'm seeing what I would do if I'm giving any kind of counsel to somebody. Right. This is a very good time for somebody to be a hero. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very good time for somebody to come in and be a hero, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and from coming from a place, I'm saying, listen, here's where I'm coming from. This is your campaign. You know how everybody's campaigning around Obamacare. Everybody's entitled mm-hmm. to have health insurance, right? Forward or dream or yeah. change or whatever, right? Trump's was make America great again. You know, you know what the campaign should be? Make America unify again. Mm-hmm. Something about unify, right? So think about if somebody ran on unification today, and they went up there and they said, look, here's what I want to do. Let me tell you what we differ in. We differ in this, 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 this. Fine. Let me tell you what we agree on. 
family, kids, da 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 yeah. So are we going to let seven things that we disagree on outweigh the 98 things that we agree on? Okay, here's my goal. You're not going to like all the decisions I make because my goal is to bring us more to the center and unify. Right now, we are either tilted to the left or we're tilted to the right. Here's the problem. If you're tilted to the left, you keep doing circles. If you're tilted to the right, you keep doing circles. The only way they're going to keep moving forward is to get a little bit more to the center. So I would like to see somebody from like a, like a, I don't even want to say rock, but I would like to see somebody that's coming in that is not afraid of losing a few cool points from their side of the aisle to say, listen, man, unifying America is more important than getting those cool that's, points from that's you. That's how you convert, too. And especially there's the silent middle you that's need to win over. It's a great time right now to do it. Oh, my God. People it's crave that type of message. It's a great time right now to do it. The, the thing is, it has to be authentic. I don't think you can just automatically uh, turn yourself into saying that this is going to be who I, I agree. am. So if, if someone comes from that business background or something that's inspiring and motive, people want to hear that right now. They're craving it. Who would that be? Who would that be? To come that can give that message. Well, Obama act- is one, for sure. You think Obama could well, because, unify? Uh, well, if he wanted to. I think he has that power because he does have that type of charisma. And but who's it, he, who's he going to knight to carry that? I'm just thinking about people right now that have the, the actual gravitas to do it, have the collateral politically to do it, and have the personality. Um, no, that's what I'm asking. So I agree with what you said about Obama, but who's he going to knight? Who's the person with the gravitas right. and the thing that you're talking about <laughs> that Obama can come and say? It's got to be somebody very, very close to him that he trusts. And it can't be some rando Democrat sound that, crazy. that they throw. But you know who I think? You know, Michelle? No. Oh. You know who I think would be great um, to, to be able to do that? And he has no interest in doing that. It, 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 it's And I, listen, hang tight before people flip out. I think it's a person like Rogan. I think that's the kind of a person that could pull it off. I think it's a person with a personality like him who brought a Bernie Sanders in and he says, I think he makes sense. Cool. And then he brought Tulsi Gabbard. I think she makes sense. And he is now in the center where he pushes back and saying, here's what I'm trying to see if I'm going to fix myself or not without relying. Hey, I got good after two days later. I think he could pull it off. But I don't think he has any interest in doing that at all. But it's a personality like him. Mm -hmm. It can't be too ambitious of a person because if it's too – and I'm not saying Joe's not ambitious. It's not the point that he's not ambitious. Joe's living the life that he wants to live today. Mm -hmm. It's like when I was on the podcast with him, I'm like, he's like, like, I have no interest in starting a company. You want me to do more stuff? Add more stuff to my plate? No, I'm good. So he's a systematic guy that he's living a life right now that I bet is like his dream life. Yeah, he, he, has, want... he has his buckets and he fills them up but, as they but need But I think, I think he does very well with enemies. I think he does very well with uh, uh, dealing with enemies. I think he knows how to uh, bring the other person's guard down. I think he sat down with some of the smartest guys in, in, in the world. I, I don't know. I think a personality like that could pull it off. Uh, uh, when you think about it, Candace Owens, Candace would be a Trump type of a mm. personality. Shapiro. Uh, it has it, to be somebody who's not too too uh, confrontational, but also they're not willing to back away from it. It's more kind of questioning. That's what I'm saying. You're coming in as, yeah. let's solve this let's as opposed to, I'm going to prove why yeah, you're wrong. Let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about what it. Am I, what am I not I seeing? Agree. What are you not seeing? I think like, it's where, a guy like him. That? Yeah. I think it's yeah. a guy like him. Well, it's sure. somebody that has a, th- a thick skin, who's built something, who doesn't really care because they're going to be attacked. They have to give away five to six years of their yeah. life. They have to give it away. I don't know. Listen. It would be a very funny campaign, uh, the Joe Rogan experience, you know, President Rogan, if he ran for office. That would be 
Daily podcast from the White House. <laughs> podcast number 3,147. It could get more of a reach. Uh, like, that's what's crazy. Uh, the that media would be, would be so gone funny, at that point. You know, him doing press conference, with smoking weed, and it's just oh, like, oh, hey, oh, how you doing? Only thing, though, would uh, um, Spotify would have to up his contract by like a billion dollars. Oh, my God. Yeah, with those time, woke he, he would be, be like annoyed. Howard Stern saying, I need yeah. four years off. I need yeah. four years off. I'll come back to you, but I need about four years <laughs> off. We'll see what happens next four years. But I think we need a personality like that. Anyway. Anyways, uh, next story. Next story to go into. Do you guys want to talk about the Beto story, the DEA? Let's do the DEA story. It's a funny story. Go to page eight, and then we'll go to Kamala and Biden. So page eight, I just think this is just pathetic when you think about this. DEA stopped saying Mexican cartel to appease Mexico. Recently retired agency official says the Daily Caller, the Director for Drug Enforcement Administration, also known as DEA, Officials to not use the term Mexican cartel came directly from the Biden administration to ease relations with the Mexican government. Two recently retired DA officials said one recently retired DA official said that when the new administration came in, the Department of Justice, DOJ, uh, required DEA to submit news interviews requests for approval. He said that the DOJ declined many of the national news requests on top of the language guidance, but eventually eased up and allowed some of the to do local interviews where he used the term Mexican drug cartel and called each by its name. They want us to call, uh, uh, to say Mexican cartels, the retired officials. They didn't want us to say Mexican cartels. I think they wanted us to just say uh, transnational criminal organization. Transnational wow. criminal organization because I don't think they want to lay all the blame on Mexico. They thought it was misleading, but they didn't want, didn't get us a lot. Uh, they weren't very transparent with certain things. So there you go. Mexican <laughs> cartels, we can't say that anymore. I actually don't have a problem with that. I really, if you're trying to cooperate with the country of Mexico yeah. and try to take care of these drug cartels, which do exist, I, it's all branding. I wouldn't, I, if I was Mexico, I wouldn't want that thrown in there. Uh, it's real. I mean, thousands of people are being murdered every year. So, How they can't stop so, it, I don't know. So let me ask you a question. So did it bother you when Trump kept saying the China virus? It did not at all. It no, didn't bother It did not bother me at all. So this is so yeah, why would this because, bother you? And I'll tell you it's, why. It's, it's very a, simple. Why? China's an enemy of our country. Mexico is not. I have no problem but, pinning but, the blame but, on but, China. But let me ask you a question. Nobody is saying Mexico's an enemy, but everybody Mexican is saying Mexican cartel cartels are enemy. An enemy. Did you see the shooting that happened? Two people just died in Cancun? It's terrible. This week? Did you it's see horrible. how they're yeah. targeting these, uh, uh, these uh, what do you call a resource that they're going to? God knows how many times we've been over there. Right. And they just went yeah. in with a mask and shot a bunch of people up. Yeah, it, it's, it's terrible. But all I'm saying is, if this would help them shut down these drug cartels, I, I guess I oh, don't have a tremendous problem with go. it. Like, can, Branding. Can, can, more eggshells to walk on. Who's even going to remember transnational criminal organizations? It's too big of a word for it's, someone like me. ESL, I think Mexican cartel is easy. I wouldn't Got even you. be able to spell it. <laughs> well, Ricky would be really upset because that's TCO. Anyway. First so of all, <laughs> here's, here's, here's the reality. Do you think Mexican cartels are offended that you're not calling them Mexican cartels anymore? Oh, they're so like, woke. Think they're probably yes. sitting there saying, how dare you call us transnational? Hey, we are we, the cartel. Yeah, Pat, they have a different way of canceling people. It's with a machine gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So Biden and Kamala's relationship is in crisis. Crisis as their poll rating crash uh, just one year. Her staff feuds over why she is being sidelined with no win migration task, while President's team say they've given up on her already. Huh. Let's see what the story looks like here. Uh, on page eight, this is a Daily Mail, Mail story. Biden is rumored to be considering moving Harris to Supreme Court as backdoor method of selecting a new VP. Huh. Supreme Court, here we go. The president's staff are frustrated by her appalling polling figures. Uh, even worse than Biden, Harris and her top aides are furious with Biden for handing her no-win issues like the border crisis. They also claim that the president is not defending her while looking for, uh, after white men. P. 
Pete Buttigieg, Biden's staff are privately disappointed with Harris over self-inflicted controversies like her awkward laughter when asked about visiting the border by NBC Lester Holt. Publicly, the White House insists the relationship between Biden and Harris remains uh, harmonious. What a word. And productive. Do you think they have a good relationship today? No. <laughs> Did you see yesterday when he was signing uh, the, what do you call it, the $1.3 trillion bill, how Kamala was standing outside and one of the guys like, no, come stand over here. And the way she was standing over him, you, you just have to the see body this. language. It's very yeah. awkward, mm-hmm. very awkward when he was signing it. You just got to see it uh, and you make a decision for yourself. But uh, I, I, is Biden trying to distance himself from Kamala like uh, Obama's trying to distance himself from Obama uh, from Biden right now? You think that's kind of what's I happening? I think there's some parallels. I do because, huh. well, A, Biden didn't pick her. Okay, and uh, arranged marriages generally don't work, right? Especially when you start off by calling someone a racist, and then you marry him. So this thing had no chance of working. She's so ambitious. Are you kidding me? She would not be satisfied being in the Supreme Court. There's no pub in that. There's no glamour. No way. Uh, This is going to be a a big thorn for him coming up in the next three years. It's going to be a major issue for Joe Biden. What's going to happen with her? Because she's not going to be content just being in the background. She's not going to put up with it. No way. And they're feeding they're feeding the media. Both of their sides are feeding the media stories. Over the weekend, CNN was borderline hysterical, the front page, where you had a puff piece on, you know, examining Kamala Harris's life in politics. And then you had two different stories on discord in Harris um, in Harris's uh, office of the vice president is a growing concern for the White House. Well, who planted that? There was two unnamed sources of the White House who have spoken to condition of anonymity. You, you look at that. So they're both planning stories and they're both posturing in position. I think Biden is distancing himself from her because they know about her ratings and it doesn't help him. There's no assistance he can get from her. California ratings glow. There's nothing. There's nothing that she can do. There's for the no president. upside. Yeah, just downside. It's shocking he picked her, to be honest with you. He, that's the point. You you just said it. He did not pick her, but mm-hmm. it, it is shocking that she was the VP. She is the VP. Is it even uh, possible? Well, look, to all the women. All the women were going to give him something that he didn't need. He didn't need Hawaii. He didn't need. He's going to get it anyway. He didn't need Minnesota. He's going to get it anyway. He didn't need California. He was going to get it anyway. And there was all of this other interesting, you know, decisions yeah. that were going in there. If you take a look at, at you, you look at things that were really close. He needed Virginia. Now he got Virginia. But you see what I mean? If you looked at that electoral map and you really looked at where it was going out, you would have said, let's find somebody with these criteria but, and let's find Florida. And remember one of the last candidates considered was that police chief in Orlando. Remember her? African-American woman, yep. police chief in Orlando. Yep. Stellar record, tough on crime. You know, if you're looking to do the classic, okay, I need the VP to help me in the, in the voting booth, that's the direction you would have gone. But he ended up with this. It's ah. just begun. Three more years. <laughs> Enjoy. Whose laugh was that, by the way? Was that really your laugh? Why was that? No, that we, you, we have. We, I was. Oh, you I was tried to ch- do her laugh. <laughs> hey, I was channeling. Can, can you share the crap out of? Can you do her French accent like she was doing in Paris? Oh my, that was. And, then, and that's. I mean, how stupid does she think people are? That's don't, the don't say that about your vice president, Tom. Please, it's going to upset uh, Ka- you know, the Adam Native in a American major people. Way. So, so, uh, so let's let's look at this on what happened. This insider story here is the last one that we'll do. Uh, across racial lines, policing emerged as a deciding factor in the election. This is an insider, sto- insider story. From Albany to Cleveland, ballots measure, most of which centered on the amount of police presence particular areas should have 
had varying degrees of success. In Minneapolis, for, ex- for example, voters had to decide whether to replace the city's police department with a department of public safety that would employ a comprehensive public health approach to ensure the community's welfare, right? Uh, uh, the ballot measure, which was prompted by George Floyd's murder, m- murder was rejected by about 60% of Minneapolis voters, but Cleveland ballot uh, measure fared uh, much differently. 94% of Ohio City's voters were in favor of instituting an amendment to create a civilian led uh, board and community police commission that would have final same police uh, uh, policies and discipline. As these and other states show, policing took the forefront uh, during the latest batch of elections. Look, this whole thing about defunding the police, how big it got, it's always about defunding your police. It's not about defunding my My police, but I want you to defund your police. Because in our area, let's keep the cops. In your area, let's not keep keep the cops. There's a lot of hypocrisy there. So do you think the same thing's going to play a big role in 2024, 2023, when the next election comes around? I don't think so. Okay. Because I think people are smart enough to know that this is complete BS. I mean, this, this, the, it was a perfect storm for something like this to happen last year. And it happened. The pandemic, George Floyd, all these things led to this reaction. There's no way people ultimately want this. And I think it's going to fade away to bigger topics. I really do. I think, you know, police departments need some reform in some cities. Minneapolis mm-hmm. clearly needed a little reform, but you just don't throw the police away like this. And I don't think it's going to be a hot button issue in 2024. Tom, I thought that the uh, the Cleveland measure was the citizens being sensible, because what did they say? They didn't say defund the police in Cleveland. They said, let's get a commission that is not beholden. Remember, police internal affairs is investigating itself. It's always there's always been a, a corrupt lean there. And so I thought that this the people of Cleveland were being very, very prudent, saying, hey, let's get an independent commission so that when we have internal affairs, we have, you know, you know, questionable shootings and things like this that happen. Let's have somebody else in the room to make sure that we that we hold the police accountable and we do things sensibly. And so I, I love what I love that measure in Cleveland. And then in Minneapolis, I think what you said to open this little segment, you're absolutely correct. Defund your police, not my police. Yeah. By the way, this Thursday is going to be uh, Thursday uh, riots. I don't know if you guys are ready or not. This Thursday is going to be Thursday riot day because that is when the uh, verdict comes. When the verdict comes. So people yeah. have to be ready have, for they, what's going to be happening. They have the National Guard day. on standby. Oh, they have, they have to because if this comes out and a lot of things are shown that he's going to come out innocent, if it does, it's on. they're going to it's need a lot two. of police in certain areas. Yeah. But interesting part, though, is how's that going to play out now that Trump's not at the helm? and Because and, he was the one that was blamed for everything, even though there's governors below that, this, that, and the other. So how's that now going to reflect on Biden then? Of Is that is that cool? Is that okay? Is everything going to go away? Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. On yeah. So too. look, here's a couple of things as we're wrapping up. I want to give you a couple of updates. Number one, I want to give you a Mafia States of America update okay, for people that are still following that story. FYI, if you haven't seen Gerard on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, except for the 101, is because he has one assignment and he's working with Eric and the team to finish up Mafia States of America, and they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, I'm proud of the crew. The product's looking amazing. Uh, cannot wait to release it to you. I will tell you, this is not going to be on YouTube. Everybody needs to know it is not going to be on YouTube. The only thing you will see on YouTube is a number of short clips that will be shared because it is 10 episodes. And we had a crew of, I don't know, 40 people working on this project. This ended up being a half a million plus of a project. It'll be sold. The 10 episodes, you can either be able to buy one of them. We haven't decided on what the price is going to be per episode. Maybe it's nine ninety nine, 
and you buy the whole thing for $49.99. So stay tuned. There will be a website we will release. We're getting close to potential release. Like I told Sammy when he was on the podcast, it's either going to be end of the year, December, or it's going to be 2022. And what did Sammy say? Let me just say this. It's going to be end of the year. <laughs> but we're, we're working on it okay. to get it done for you. So hang tight with Mafia States. The product looks ridiculous. This is all I'm going to tell you. You're going to flip on when you see the product. And second thing is, Kai, Kai's been running VT Merch. we got a lot of new pro- products that's com- coming out. Uh, with Valuetainment, a lot of big surprises coming out. One of the things that we had a very hard time with because the, the Your Next 5 moves is, is selling it's out selling on like Amazon crazy. tremendously. Yeah. And we had a call with, uh, uh, what do you call it, with uh, Simon, uh, and Schuster. Uh, Simon and Schuster. They now have it at Target. It's selling all over the place. Uh, and the, the ranking keeps going higher and higher and higher with the book, and we're not even promoting it. But many of you asked for signed copies, and we only had 100, and it sold out like in a couple days. We talked to Simon & Schuster. We have another badge of 100 signed copies of your next five moves. If you don't have it and you'd like one, the link below is going to give it to you in the comment section. Go to vtmerch.com, vtmerch.com. The first 100 that order your next five moves signed, it'll be sent over your way. But you got to go to VT Merch, and I wouldn't be waiting if it's a gift you want to get for somebody for Christmas. Uh, my wife just texted me saying, babe, I think you should do your next five move for kids. I'm like, babe, as if life is not as busy as it is, let's add another book to the plate. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. We're going to do this again on Thursday. Our friend Adam's going to be back on Thursday. And I think who else do we have on Thursday? Uh, Somebody else. I is, think it's uh, Danielle as well. Okay, Danielle's going to be with us she on this Thursday. Down. So do not miss this Thursday's podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.